0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge.
1: Yes, you should check out Facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. And you will see the picture of...
2: Oppenheimer. <laughs> Dr. Oppenheimer. <laughs>
1: of Radio Barbie, who accompanied me into the studio
2: and can tonight. I, as I've told everybody that I've encountered wearing this pink garb, this is not something I ran out and bought. I already owned this. Because I've owned the whole Barbie thing for, well, since the beginning. The very beginning, Mm -hmm. like 1959, so I was there for it. (laughs) We've got a lot to talk about tonight, including the Barbie Phenom, and the fact that this is the biggest box office week this year. By the
1: way... Excuse yourself. That's a microphone. I'm going to have
2: to oil you before (laughs) the show is over with.
1: (laughs) Bob, you want to confirm that that's the microphone? Uh, No. Steve? Steve? What?
2: (laughs) when steve leans that way he yeah. makes that noise every time i told him lean to the left not to the right you rarely go right anyway
1: <laughs> i thought the. Though, isn't there uh one way you can pull this that it has a great halloween sound no oh somebody oiled it yeah <laughs> darn there goes our halloween sound effect
2: that's what the Keeper of the Big Plug is for, Bob Pakuda comes in here, he washes the place down, and he oils the place, Yes, so you can't play with the equipment. Darn. You have serious You're radio no fun, to do, Bob.
3: Well, you know, I don't want the microphone coming off in your hand,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like Mister Mike.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, Bob, on your way into work, you had a bit of a challenge this evening because I of did. Beyonce in the house. Yes, the
3: beehive was taking over sidewalks, crosswalks,
2: and you said streets. traffic was worse than for NASCAR.
3: Yep by far
2: unbelievable was it uh, the traffic humanity like getting across the road and then- how would you
3: compare it to uh, taylor swift this was worse it really, really? Was. yeah
2: you think maybe because of the weather that? Some- no, you
3: know i think people you know look forward to taylor swift so they carpooled i don't think these people carpooled i think everybody <laughs> wanted to be in their own car because there were a lot of cars i mean traffic was backed up in many different directions
2: wow you said tomorrow since you come in tomorrow you're going to take your secret
3: route i'm taking my nascar route yeah
2: yeah wow and i as we were driving in and it was raining i felt so bad for people they spend a small fortune on an outfit to wear to the concert and you got to put a stupid garbage bag over it yep because you can't take an umbrella into is that you
1: dinging bob yes okay (laughs)
2: We have, to we have various
1: <laughs> sound effects that will be going on at various points throughout the show. Yes,
2: But uh, again, I, I feel for them, because like the Taylor Swift concert, if you're going to this concert, this mm-hmm. is an event. I, uh, people are there from literally around the country, probably from other countries. She hasn't been in Chicago for five years. It's a very big deal. Yeah. You get a fabulous outfit.
1: And she's only here for two nights as mm-hmm. opposed to the four nights that Taylor Swift right. was here for. Right,
2: right. And you have a picture of Soldier Field. How it was changed. Now, what happened? The, the grass. First of is covered. all,
3: yeah. After the last soccer game, they they cut out. They took all the they took all the sod out, and then they laid down this these uh, aluminum plates. And on top of those, they were going to put plastic plates, and then they were going to put plastic folding chairs.
4: Wow.
3: So yeah, I was there doing stuff, and they had just finished. Uh, they started to put up the uh, the the lighting rigs and the mm-hmm. the speaker rigs and all that. And
2: oh, she has a really big deal too. Oh yeah, I mean it's oh, yeah. it, it's very impressive. No, but just think if this concert was during daylight hours and you were sitting on the aluminum,
3: yeah, <laughs> the it might metal be a floor, warm. yeah. Well, hmm. at least they won't kill the grass. You know, bear fans can't complain that you know this stupid concert killed. The, there's yeah. no grass, so there's so it was nothing taken up. Yeah,
2: for this very reason or yeah. because they will resite it for they will resite
3: after the after the second concert
2: huh well the picture you have is very impressive because there's not a soul in the,
3: the stadium yeah, it's just and, me and another guy yeah. yeah
2: and well the guy that put down the plastic
3: is out there too <laughs> well yeah <laughs> there were, <laughs> there, there were riggers and you know the yeah the, they were out there and uh, dropping things and making a lot of noise
2: oh ah, it's it fun okay yeah
3: well let's be glad that we're not in phoenix
1: What was the the figure we heard in Phoenix, the concrete? If you slipped and fell on the concrete, didn't they say it was like 180 degrees? I don't
2: believe that. You Remember the days when we would do Taste of Chicago and they would put us in a metal...
1: Tube yeah. Oh, yeah. Out
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> along the lakefront.
1: Well, and when. Remember the year that we fried the egg on the on, roof?
2: On the roof. We sent Steve Bertrand on yep. the roof with an egg, and it actually fried. Mm-hmm. It didn't look edible, but it did eventually fry. Um, I. How do they get the temperature of the concrete at 180 degrees? Black
5: asphalt, is what they're saying, can get 170 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's asphalt rather than the concrete. So that that is an accurate figure, 170 to 180 degrees. You can fry an egg on that, I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah. You can also fry your, your dog's feet. Yeah. If you're walking...
5: E. Or get your shoes stuck.
2: We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more miserable in Florida than walking across the Winn-Dixie parking lot because they've just black-topped it. And I, it can be 80, but that parking lot is just miserable. And I'm always in the, the back 40. And I'm like, oh, will I ever get there? And then you get there and you realize your flip-flops are kind of squishy. They're kind of mm-hmm. soft. You
1: know? It's really weird. By the way, we have to break, but uh, hearing Ron Brown's voice,
5: stay with us.
2: Did I hear you say that this is the biggest opening of any movie this whole year?
5: That's right, yeah. And, wow. uh, uh And they needed it, too.
2: Yeah. we'll see how
5: long it lasts.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, that that doesn't surprise us, Ron, because we had thoughts of going on Thursday night <laughs> to see... Opening night, Barbie. right. Yeah. And, and we had checked during the day, and there were some seats, but by the there time... lots of we, seats. By the time we got to... We were going to go to a 10 o'clock show.
2: Right. And it got to be 7 o'clock, and I went... Wait, there are, there are no seats except for the seats way up front. How did that happen?
1: And then we checked into the next day.
2: Yeah. And, and I wasn't, was selling out. Yeah, I wasn't real keen on those first row seats. And right. And then um, we had the option of 9 o'clock this morning. And I thought, yeah, I'm an early Ooh, riser. Not so much. Yeah, I don't think I want to drag you to that at 9 in the morning. So I guess we're going to go like Tuesday. And I was telling Ron, I, my thought is people go back to work. So we'll yeah. have a chance of getting in. That
5: <laughs> that's yeah, that's a good thought. That's why I have uh, Tuesday seats for Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, and, and the same, and they were not the they were not sold out. They weren't uh, too packed. So it was Tuesday afternoon. So I get we get the uh, the matinee discount, and also we get seats. So that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah.
2: And the the as you've called it the Barbieheimer. Bar, barbi-
5: bar- Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer. If I'm pronouncing yes. it right,
2: uh, the the weekend so far is the best we've seen since. Covid, pre-Covid,
5: mm-hmm. right. That's what they're reporting, and uh, estimated, I think, seventy-five million for Oppenheimer, and then uh, one hundred and twenty-five million for Barbie. So, yeah, that's a good haul. Yeah. Is Oppenheimer what has replaced
1: Mission Impossible at a lot of the IMAX theaters because of the way Oppenheimer yes. was filmed?
5: Yeah, it was filmed with IMAX cameras, and uh, Tom Cruise wasn't too happy about it. And it's not a good yeah. idea to, to make Tom Cruise angry, <laughs> but uh, that's what they did. They 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 uh, had an agreement with. Um, with Christopher Nolan to run those movies in IMAX theaters and that's where that's where I'm going to see it on Tuesday because mm-hmm. I, I figured you might as well get the full effect of a, sure. what's being called like a, a really great movie. I think Richard uh, Roper in the Sun-Times called it uh, the best movie of the century so far. So that's...
1: And, it, wow. Every review I have read of that has been a positive review. I have not read one negative oh, review. Oh, I have.
2: Really? Uh, yeah. I've read a, a, hmm. a couple of Who Wants to Sit Through three hours who cares about people that are so full of themselves there's a bunch of narcissists you know. <laughs>
1: yeah but that's displaying their attitude rather than commenting on the movie itself they've seen the movie right
2: yeah you know, some people don't like to sit their three-hour movie yeah uh, you know, going into it, they're, oh, gee, this is, even if you're a critic, you're thinking, this is what they pay me to do, and I'm not real keen on it.
1: A three-hour movie is a great reason for um, DVRs, pause <laughs> buttons. Yep. <laughs>
5: That works for yeah. me. But it's, it's not that unusual anymore. I mean, every yeah. every season you you have two or three movies, it seems, that are hitting that three-hour range. I uh-huh. know the Martin Scorsese movie that's coming out later on, I think they said it was approaching three and a half yes, hours. Yes, yes. So,
2: and was not Mission or isn't Mission Impossible well over three?
5: Mission Impossible was yeah. a three-hour sure. movie, too.
2: Because yeah. I, w- I was hearing about the box office. They were saying, keep in mind that wherever Mission Impossible is airing, it is one less showing than most other movies right. because of its length.
1: And if you add to that your 20 minutes worth of
5: previews, <laughs> you you want
1: to be very careful how you
2: sip your Coke. You don't want a big gulp. That's true. That's for sure.
5: That's true. Yeah, you're in for the long haul.
2: It would be nice if we could have... Does this sound like an old fart thing to say? I want intermissions in movies. Oh, Give me an intermission.
1: I, I think we've talked about before, one of our favorite theaters... Was a theater in uh, Lansing or Highland?
2: Highland, Indiana. Highland,
1: Indiana. Yeah. That, that is no longer around. It was called the Town Theater, and they would show movies based on requests. They had a box, you, you put. You, you would get to pick what you wanted to see. Go to see the movie, and in the middle of the movie, they stop everything. Everybody goes out to the lobby where there are homemade goodies. Mm-hmm. So you have that, and you talk about what you've seen so far. Then you go back, and you enjoy the rest of the movie. It was a wonderful experience. It was.
5: I'll tell you, I was, as you guys know, I was in the Air Force, and I was overseas in Greece when E.T. came out. Now, there was no intermission in E.T., right? but they made one. They stopped the <laughs> at the theater. They stopped the movie. And then uh, vendors came out down the aisles selling pop and uh-huh. uh, and and candy and popcorn. And I thought, well, this is unusual. I mean, they stopped the movie, uh, but it's it, it was common there, and I, I didn't mind it too much because you know I wanted some popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> so. and
2: if that's how they make their money, you would think. This would be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stop if, the movie. Let people run out to the restroom if they need be. Meantime, we've got ushers walking up and down, hawking peanuts, popcorn, Cracker Jacks, whatever if, you if want. the
5: audience is used to it. But they yeah. haven't had intermissions in movies since, I think, the 60s. Really? I think the 60s. I, I don't think of any 70s movies, because, you know, like Ben-Hur and, uh, yeah. uh, and oh. Spartacus and those movies. In
2: fact, have... it was in the 60s when I saw The Nutty Professor at the Uptown Theater... This is, I did not dream this. Honest to God, this happened. The movie stopped an hour into it. The house lights came up, and Jerry Lewis walked out on stage. Oh, wasn't yeah. he, wasn't yeah.
1: he twirling guns or he something? He was
2: wearing a white cowboy suit and a white cowboy hat. And they brought a full length mirror out. And he did this whole routine where he was looking in the mirror, at spinning his guns. And we're all saying, you know, We're kids going, is that Jerry Lewis? And it was really him. And that mm-hmm. was one of the things that they did at the Uptown, because Sonny and Cher came out the intermission of their movie, as mm-hmm. I recall. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wasn't their movie called Good Times, I think? Uh, yeah. I can't remember that
2: movie. I don't either. No, but that was a 60s thing, mm-hmm. so you might be right. Ron, it was a 60s thing, and then they stopped because they figured if we eliminated these 15, 20-minute breaks, we could get another showing of a movie in Mm -hmm. before the end of the the day.
5: Could you imagine Tom Cruise coming out at intermission for (laughs) Mission Impossible (laughs) and riding a motorcycle across the stage or something?
2: (laughs) Jumping the crowd. Yeah,
5: it's an idea. Feel free to (laughs) use it if he's listening.
2: Well, we are going to talk about these movies coming up. We're going to talk with our buddy Gino the Showbiz Machino. He's a movie reviewer, and he hangs with these people. In fact, he had a great experience with the cast of Oppenheimer he'll talk about.
1: We we have so much stuff planned for tonight. Uh, We are obviously going to spend some time and talk about uh, Barbie. We're going to be talking with uh, one of our friends from Gigi's uh, Gigi's Dolls and Sherry's Teddy Bears. Uh, about the history mm-hmm. of Barbie.
2: And why is Barbie so darn popular?
1: Then a little later, our buddy Gino Salomon is going to join us. Uh, he's the entertainment reporter for Fox 8 in Milwaukee and the Dish Network. Talk about uh, Barbie Oppenheimer and about Tony Bennett.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, such sad news. It, obviously not completely unexpected, but still nonetheless very sad. Then a little later tonight, um, our friend Jill Simonillo... Who's the managing editor at uh, Pickup Truck and SUV Talk? Uh, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to revisit something we had talked about a couple weeks ago
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, female crash dummies and uh, some other road tests. And then a little later tonight, our buddy Patrick Crispin is going to join us, and we're going to uh, segue into cyberspace. And uh, so that's just yep. a little bit of what's happening. And uh, after the news, we need to do some shout outs. we
2: got to do that. Yep. So we will. So stand by here on WGN.
1: Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. No, that's not about Barbie. (laughs) That's uh, Frankie Avalon and Venus. And I will always remember the first time I heard that song. He premiered that on Dick Clark's Saturday Night Show. And it was a big deal because it showed that Frankie Avalon could actually sing. It's the first time he did something other than his (laughs) Needy Dinah and gingerbread and all the nasally things that he did he was showing that he could actually sing and the was the he records. not lip-syncing no he he lip-synced the record oh. but even so it was a record that had Frankie avalon singing. actually singing yeah yeah and uh, he is a real talent is still around and as a matter of fact he's going
2: to be in the chicago area he's going to be at the arcata theater three o'clock sunday afternoon I saw a picture of him. If it is a recent picture, the man, in fact, has a portrait in his attic. Yeah. Because he looks scary good. Yep. Good, but scary good, because he's not a kid. I mean, um, he's a great dresser, too, the pictures that I saw. Uh, Three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the Arcata Theater. Uh, great theater. Yeah, some tickets are still available. I like the acoustics of the Ar- Arcata Theater. hmm uh, it's a small theater. It's intimate. The floor is slanted as you're walking in, or is that me? Was it the wine I had before I got there? I think there? it was a little
1: bit of both. <laughs> okay. That, that's uh, one of Ron Ernestis, uh theaters. Yes. And Ron Ernestis, who, who uh, bless him, he, he's brought life to so many theaters in the Chicago area. Yes. And he's been bringing in a lot of good performers too.
2: A couple of texts, many texts coming in. But um, Gandhi may have been a movie that had an intermission, and I saw it three times because I love the movie. And I think at the Lincoln Village, in fact, we did have an intermission for Gandhi. No, I'm, and that was a three-hour movie.
1: I could be wrong, but I want to say so. I will say, Lawrence of Arabia. But again, I saw it downtown again. A, a long movie. In fact. I went to see Law, uh, Lawrence of Arabia on a on a blind date <laughs> with, with this couple. They had, and it was one of those. Not only can I not wait for the movie to be over, but I can't wait for this evening to be over.
2: My first date, that my very first date mm. at fifteen, was Torah, Torah, Torah. No. <laughs> oh. It's the oddest thing to see.
1: So what kind of tone was he trying to set?
2: <laughs> he was just trying to find a movie to take me to. <laughs> I even made an outfit to wear to the movie. What kind of
1: outfit did you make to wear in Tora, Tora, I didn't Tora. know
2: we were going to see Tora, Tora, Tora. But we did go to the Golden Nugget on Broadway afterwards, and that was great. And we had a great relationship after that. We weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. But I made a great outfit. He was very impressed. I found material that looked like comic strip like the Mm -hmm. sunday comic strip and i made a vest out of it so he could look at my chest and it was legit because (laughs) i had the comic strip (laughs) that's what my dad said as i was walking out the door (laughs) so Uh funny how you remember these things
1: yeah Uh,
2: bob fakuda is in the studio with us groaning uh listener at 608 says we can barely hear you due to the storm uh crackle no internet tonight i know that's exactly that's what
3: what? i may have to step out
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah said uh did you say you have patrick crispin on tonight yeah we do have patrick on tonight but if it's the internet he can't fix that here that's bob's job Hmm. um
3: maybe if there's anybody else could be yeah yeah Because otherwise alarms would be glowing off here like you wouldn't believe.
2: Yeah, because Don in Kalamazoo... More than
3: your watch? Yes, (laughs) a lot more. (laughs) Uh,
2: Don in Kalamazoo is listening. He doesn't seem to be having a problem. We've we've got a lot of people listening all over the country. Um, Florida, Arizona, Nebraska, Utah, they're all listening tonight.
1: Many of them listening on their radios.
2: Yeah, that's true. Or um, the app. But the app would be the internet, so... Yeah, eh. so... If you got a problem, let us know.
1: So who's listening and where are they listening from
2: tonight? <laughs> right. Here we go. Are you ready? Uh Mary Roush is listening. Speaking people out of uh the area, Michigan City, Indiana, that's Sandy McComas. Uh Bobby D's out in Sandwich listening on his new radio. Uh Enrique Galacos is listening. Uh, Marilyn Zilka asked about my PRP uh procedure that I had, the plasma rich mm-hmm the platelet-rich plasma procedure. And Marilyn, I promise you, I will sneak that in later tonight and tell you what the latest Mm -hmm. is on that. Elizabeth Roth in Lafayette, Indiana, is listening. And Brian Lefevre, our top fan, along with Chris Curran in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Helen Thomas in Kenosha. As I said, Milwaukee, we love you. Jean Jacobson's up in Milwaukee. Sandy Rock, and is that the best name? Actually, her name is Sally Rock. Um, James Gajewski is listening, Jim Smith, Pamela Walker, Delphine Barrowman, Ron Altman, who's one of our top fans. He's out in Sycamore. Nancy Hollins and Dorothy Orsini. Dave Pearson is listening with three generations of Barbie lovers. His wife, their daughter, and two granddaughters. Michelle Reitman is in Skokie. Judy B. in Oaklawn, Lawn. Marilyn Fleck is in Arlington Heights. Mildred Bartlett is in Oregon, Illinois. Our buddy Chuck Snitchler, number one fan to WGN. He's listening in Hobart. Michelle Gregory, Christine Failing. Nancy Taffy is in West Allis, Wisconsin again. Wisconsin wins tonight. They're well represented. And many of those folks are listening Mm -hmm. the old-fashioned way on their radio, but many are listening on their app.
1: And you can uh, text us or call at 312-981-7200. By the way, I want to say thank you to, uh, this is a 331 Mm -hmm. area code, and says, Steve and Johnny, I saw Lawrence of Arabia in Elgin. Oops, where did it go? Oh, it moved over here.
2: 2005.
1: And 2005, and there was an intermission with the music playing. Oh, that's nice. And thank you for pronouncing Arcata Theater correctly. You're mm-hmm. your welcome. And you're coming in loud and clear in the Fox River Valley via the radio,
2: and Jim and Aurora said, listening on the radio coming in. And Sandy's in Hoffman Estates, and she doesn't appear to be having any problem. And uh, eight well, four at least
1: not listening to us. Steve. <laughs>
2: Eight four seven area code says, "Will Joseph Crispin be joining his father tonight?" He's already asked if there's any way he could sneak in. He's got things to say, so we'll see. Yep. Six oh eight says we have uh, flip phone and AM radio and listening. And Stacy's in Winthrop, Maine, listening to us, and we appreciate that, Stacy. Thanks for tuning in. Seven four zero area code.
1: It'd be interesting to see if uh, if Joseph wants to jump on the radio
2: tonight steve it's going to be a challenge to keep him off the radio well there is he's talked about it all week that that the show is saturday night his dad's on the radio that means Gigi and grand dude need me yep i need to be telling them what's going on in my world now that i'm back in california so we'll see what happens tonight
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we've got a lot coming up stay with us at wgn
2: if it sounds like I'm off mic, I look. I like to look at Julian when I talk to him, and so I turn around to look over my shoulder at him. <laughs>
6: that way she doesn't call me Gabe.
2: Stop it. <laughs> I told you it's convenient. You did turn the house lights up tonight so I can see your face. That is true. Right. He's had a long day, too. When did your day start here? Uh,
1: about 7, no, 8 o'clock.
2: This morning? Why? 8 o'clock this morning.
1: Why did your day start at 8 o'clock this well, morning? Someone's
6: got to keep Alicia and David Hochberg.
2: And at least they fed you, right?
6: Oh yeah, oh yeah, we had delicious empanadas.
2: And then after you did the Hockberg thing, you were filling in for Ben, right? Yeah.
5: Oh no, for David Hockberg, I was Ben.
2: Oh, you were Ben. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) And then I said, "Did you get a nap?" And he go, "Oh yeah, I did. Don't worry, I'm I'm ready for the show." And he's wide awake, you know ready to go oh
1: you're the one who's awake yes okay
2: lister from 847 says what model sea crane radio did you give joseph steve
1: it is the sea crane sky wave radio we did now they have some new versions that they've just come out with that i haven't tried but i'm very curious about them
2: it's not sky because someone had texted last right. week it's sky w-a-v
1: as in uh, victor, victor victoria uh, Skywave radio, and it has AM, FM, shortwave, weather band, and it has a band where you can hear the communication between the pilots and the airport. As they are coming in, and you can program it to whatever airport across the country.
2: Right. And he's at seven, he's obsessed with planes. So, this was just another element to sweeten mm-hmm. that experience of sitting on the roof at LAX and watching the planes take off and land. And then checking them out on his uh, iPad to see where they're coming from and going to, and then listening to the the tower talk back and forth.
1: And one of the things I love about this radio, and uh, it sounds like a commercial, but it's not, although it may be in the future. Uh, the sound—I mean, this—it's a small radio. It, it is about the size of your cell phone, mm-hmm. but the like sound quality radio. is so. Good. Of course. I got some they're little they are over the ear, not in ear, over the ear cost headphones. And the sound is just extraordinary.
2: Mm. Remember when before the days of internet we did have Sea Crane as a sponsor because mm-hmm. they had the long distance radio. Do you remember that, Bob? Where everybody had to get a long distance radio and they had some magical thing inside that radio where, in fact, you could pick this station up long distance, which was amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a little over a hundred bucks. Something like that. And, uh, um, it, 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 it's a great radio. We used it in Florida. And then.
1: We've got one in Florida. We've got, uh, one, uh, in Chicago uh just Terrific radios.
2: And we gave one to Les Paul for his mm-hmm. birthday so that he could listen to us in Malwa, New Jersey, because he would start listening to us as he was leaving New York, and he was sitting in the back of the Lincoln being driven home. We would come in loud and clear, and he would sit in the driveway sometimes and call us, because if he went in the house, he would lose us. So we sent him a Crane radio for his 90th birthday, and we thought, this is going to be great because they're a sponsor. We'll get Bob Crane on the line, but... Les won't know it. And we'll let him hear Les rave about the radio. Les said, hey, kids, thank you for the radio. So I opened it up, took it apart.
1: That's the first <laughs> thing he did. He wanted—he was so good, he wanted to see what made it work.
2: And we could just hear on the other phone someone going, oh, no. Why would he do that? And we never—I don't think we ever brought Bob Crane up on on the air. I don't
1: recall <laughs> if we did that night or not. <laughs> because
2: it seemed kind of awkward. Because less—but it really
1: was a compliment. Because yeah. uh, less, who obviously knew a, a thing or two about engineering, he thought this is so cool. I got to see what makes it yes, tick.
2: What makes it work like that? And uh, <laughs> he eventually put it back together again because he had a reputation for think- taking things apart, yeah. and never putting them back together again. Yep. And In fact, we had a, a listener that uh, said she's tuned in from Waukesha tonight, and her granddaughter goes to the school, the Les Paul School. It mm-hmm. was named in his honor, because he's from Waukesha. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a Al Siegert listening from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma this evening. Ooh. Yes. Al, you don't tell us how you're listening. I assume you're listening on the app. He is a transplant from Mendota, Illinois. So Winthrop, Maine, and Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, win tonight. Yeah, for our long-distance listeners.
1: Wonder if we got anybody listening from London.
2: Hmm. Well, the time because we used to have a
1: fair amount of listeners. Because they would, or at least over in Europe, they They would wake
2: up to us. Who
1: is uh, and she still contacts us on Facebook, Fiona. Um, Well, no, that uh, Fiona never listened to us.
2: Oh, she was just in radio over there.
1: Oh, no. No, Okay, you confused me. I was thinking of Fitna.
2: Fitna, yes.
1: Okay, need to back up and explain all this. Uh, Where did we start? Uh, Before we got to Fiona.
2: Listening from London.
1: uh, You're thinking of Fee Glover.
2: Fee Glover. So not Fiona, not Fitna, but Fee. Okay.
1: Fee Glover was a radio host or presenter, as they call them on the BBC. Mm -hmm. She was writing a book about American Radio Talk radio. And she came to the United States and came in and hung out with us, and Mm -hmm. uh, we became friends and talked with her a few times on the BBC.
2: But she found us because she tuned in, because a lot of folks over in Europe, if they were there on vacation or whatnot, Mm -hmm. they would tune in and it would be their morning show, what's happening back in Chicago with the time difference.
1: But the one I was thinking of, and uh, forgive me if you're listening, she is from germany i believe and she has been following Uh, us for a long time yes uh and we still hear from her every now and then but that i will cut back to this is a securitist (laughs) no you're you're webbing i am (laughs) uh fitna i don't know if she's ever listened to us or not fitna is a facebook friend that I met because she was in one of the guitar playing groups that I follow mm-hmm. and she had posted this video of her and we became friends she's a really good guitarist and I think what country is she in is it Amsterdam
2: yes yes
1: and she will occasionally post these videos of her on a bicycle and out in front of the bicycle is this leash and she her and her dog are just going a GoPro. for a run through the, through the woods.
2: The good old-fashioned GoPro is, mm-hmm. is uh, hooked up, and she she gets these fabulous videos. She's quite a loner because she's in some pretty isolated yeah. places running around with her dog. Um, that's funny because we named three of the oddest female names, Fitna, yeah. Fiona, and Fee.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All three different women that we know.
1: This uh, portion of the show is brought to you by the letter F.
2: That's right. The <laughs> <laughs> stop
1: <laughs> the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio before we uh, uh, get to our next guest we want to point you to Facebook and the Steve and Johnny page on Facebook which is com slash Steve and Johnny show S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E-S-H-O-W and uh, during The newscast, we were both very busy. Uh, I uploaded a picture that Bob Fakuda took of the Beyoncé setup at Soldier Field. And no, that's not uh, Bob in the picture. Mm -hmm. But uh, Bob is the keeper of the big plug, and we were talking about the picture he took, so we uploaded
2: that. And then Johnny... I was able to capture a pretty good video of the spectacular fireworks display. happens every Saturday night at 10 o'clock, and I'm glad they timed it for the news so that we have that time to walk over to the window here on the 18th floor. And tonight for whatever reason, everything just kind of came together and I got a good... Oh, it's so seconds. cool!
1: In the reflection in the glass, as I'm looking, you're still over watching to see it. Julian, and I'm watching the fireworks. Yeah. Wow, that's a great display tonight. Yeah.
2: So it, the weather did not affect the fireworks display. And That will continue every Wednesday night and Saturday night until Labor Day, till the Labor Day holiday. So it's a real treat. We look forward to that.
1: So if you want to uh, get a look at the fireworks, go to our Facebook page. But now, what are we going to be talking about? Go to our Facebook page. You will see that uh, Radio Barbie is in the house here tonight at WGN.
2: There is a DJ Barbie, but she's a DJ in the club where she spins records. Uh, There's no talk show host Barbie. There's a music producer Barbie. There's all kinds of Barbie. So I'm I'm middle-aged Radio Barbie tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: before we introduce our our next guest, I want to kind of back up just a little bit. And uh, those of you who have listened to us a long time know that we have talked in the past with some of our friends from uh, Gigi's Dolls and Sherry's Teddy Bears. And that quite recently, my oldest friend, Pinky, spent some time in the hospital over at Gigi's and Sherry's. Yes. And... uh, he got an operation on his eyes
2: <laughs> he was well cared for
1: and he he got his stuffing fixed and yes. he's back home and he's very happy and yes couldn't be happier so thank you to our friends at Gigi's and sherry's and speaking of that
2: yes we have sherry balan with us on the line she's the sherry part of Gigi and sherry mother daughter team that own the business hi sherry how are you tonight I'm good, and how are you doing? Great. Is it true that your your place, your shop, has been around since 1981? Yes, we have been around since 81, and we've been doing shows for 50 years, and wow. it's wonderful to work with my mom every day. Yes, your mom is just beautiful, and boy, she is on top of things. I was thrilled that when we were there to pick up Pinky that we, we, we got to see her, we got to meet her, because it had been an awful long time. But and I
1: think we, we yes. first
2: we first started talking to
1: uh, with you, what, years ago when we were talking about Beanie Beanie Babies. babies.
2: Yes.
7: Right, right. <laughs> that was long ago and far away. <laughs> yes. That, oh.
1: Now, the blatant plug light has just gone off, so why don't you tell everybody where you're located and how they can contact you.
7: We are at 6029 North Northwest Highway in Chicago. Um, we have a website, Uh We're open by appointment Tuesday through Saturday from noon until 4 uh, we look forward to hearing from anybody, 773-594-1540, and uh, we have 5,000 square
2: feet of Antique to Modern Dolls in our shop. It is amazing. And of course, when the whole Barbie phenomena became news, we said, we got to talk to Sherry and find out just what you think about this whole phenomenon. Let's do a, a little mini history. It takes us back to 1959, Right. Right. 1959, uh,
7: basically um, Ruth Handler and her husband and family were over in uh, Europe, and she had wanted to bring a paper doll to life, and they had found um, Bill Lily in Switzerland, which was actually kind of more like a, a male's doll that mm-hmm. was sold at cigar shops and tobacco areas. And so she brought that and showed it to her designers and said, this is what I would like to have. And basically, if you compare the original Barbie to the original Bill Willie, um, it's pretty close on. It's uh, made out of vinyl instead of the uh, hard plastic that the one in Germany was, but hmm. uh,
2: um, she's pretty close. Yeah. And in the first one in 1959, that's the, the iconic Barbie. In fact, I have that picture on my Facebook page. She's wearing the black and white striped swimsuit. Is that correct?
7: She is. And the first three, the number one, two, and three, um, are with a solid body. The number one and number two are with black and white only in their eyes. And if you smell their bodies, they smell like crayons. What? So that's how you can kind of tell um, if you have one of the early ones.
1: They, st- um, they- Even they- after all these years, they would still smell like crayon.
7: And yes, they're wonderful. It's that beautiful smell that you just, you know, like, smell it, and it's like, oh, there's a Crayola crayon. Really? It's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. And the first one has uh, metal shafts in its legs with holes because its stand was originally Bakelite, and it had uh, two pegs on it so that the doll would stand on the stand. Oh. And the bottom of the stand on the, um, the bakelite has different configurations on it and the second stand also is bakelite but it has many different configurations and they were having problems with it because it would crack
4: mm.
2: um,
7: but if you can find a number one with its original stand in its original box it's quite a, a treasure
2: are you talking like a thousand dollars
7: Oh, we're talking many thousands of dollars. Really? The number ones and the number twos are, are in the thousands. And the number two is actually kind of a little bit harder to find than the number one. And because um, they, they between 1959 and like 1960, they were just slapping them out and trying to change it and trying to upgrade and trying mm-hmm. to do, you know, as much as they could to bring it to be the, the Barbie of the, uh, you know. The future, shall we say, and so the first three were kind of all made within a year, and then um, they uh, came out with a hollow body then instead of the solid body, Mm -hmm. and uh, so it was a little bit lighter than the first um or the dolls
2: i have visions of 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 women right now going to the closet to find their barbie and say are you hollow are you solid do you <laughs> smell like a crayon do i have you are are you hey, the biggie
1: <laughs> and we have to uh to break for a second but just before we do give us a hint like how many thousands of dollars might we be talking
4: uh,
7: well, the, it depends on the condition. I mean, everything is conditioned. Right, but right. But you could put, say anything from 1000 up to probably around 10000
2: depending on how minty, minty, minty you $10,000 Barbie. Oh Okay. Wow. wow. Sherry, hold your thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back talking about the history of Barbie and the Barbie phenomenon here on WGN.
1: Steve King and Radio Barbie at WGN. <laughs>
2: and this song, by the way, has been reworked for the new Barbie movie. There's a whole soundtrack to the movie. And Billie Eilish, who's a. Uh, her video for her song is wonderful because they actually show her looking at Barbie clothes. And if you look closely at the clothes, they're all her own clothes, her own designs. Hmm. And, of course, they're going to be selling those, too. Uh, right now, we're talking with Sherry of Gigi's Dolls and Sherry's Teddy Bears and talking about the whole Barbie phenomena. Uh, Sherry, are you going to see the movie? Of course. I haven't
7: had a chance to yet, but I'm uh, definitely planning on seeing it.
1: Well, well <laughs> buckle up, because we're we we uh, we're going to try and go. But uh, at most theaters, you have to get seats in advance. And initially, it looked like... It'll be okay, as it got close to showtime, sold out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my. Yeah, it's very exciting, though. Before the whole movie excitement happened, were people coming in and asking and talking and buying Barbies at Gigi's Dolls and Sherry's Teddy Bears? Well,
7: we've always had people that have been collecting Barbies, which is wonderful. We have collectors that are younger and all the way up to being much older, and um, I've taken part in conventions and doll shows and everything else, and um, we have at our shop um, vintage Barbies from the 60s up to newer Barbies, and uh, they're lots of fun, and people either collect the reproductions of the old or they look for the old or they look for different series or different celebrities mm-hmm. because Mattel has made so many different wonderful celebrities through the years, uh, Elizabeth Taylor and yeah. Audrey Hepburn and Lu- Lucille Ball. and
2: hmm. um, Well, uh, d- d- two Barbies in particular, A listener wants to know about, any chance you have the Cubs Barbie? Uh,
7: the Cubs Barbie, I th- I think I had that, and I just sold one, I know, and I don't remember if I still have another one or wow.
2: not. Wow. Well, they can call you and I find out. I the
7: one from the um, uh, the game. Um, from, the which, game? Which, from the night game? From the night game that they had, that they had the special Barbie. I just wow. sold two of those. Oh, I do have a, a Cubs Barbie. The, um, let's see. This one is from...
2: Uh, nineteen ninety nine. Nice. Wow. You just made someone's night for sure. <laughs> am,
1: <laughs> am I correct that Barbies would be uh, perennial sellers? I mean, I I, I know around Christmas time there's always some new Barbie thing that comes out and Christmas ornaments and things. But just in general, I would think that while there may be a spike because of the movie right now that over the years that barbie since her inception has been one of those collectible items that has just sold and continued to to sell am i right on that
7: yes it has and what's wonderful about barbie is barbie has kept up with the times and You know she went from having the ponytail to the jackie kennedy bubble cut to um let's be a hippie in the (laughs) 70s and having the fringe and the headbands and the wild colors and you know then uh you know going into the 80s and you know working out and the olivia newton john you know yes uh, and so she's kept up with so many of the trends and you know, women working and all the different, uh, um, things that are going on in, in history with, uh, astronauts and a woman astronaut. And, um, so it's just really fun. And the, the constant is, is that Barbie's always been there.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they had their Barbies, they put them away, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, Barbie's still there. Let me take her out and maybe yeah. look at her and, oh, yeah. I could change her outfit. And, <laughs> So, well, yeah, it, and she she pretty much has the same body style, so she can, you know, change into newer clothes if you want right, to, you know, right. take her vintage and put her in new.
1: And it, is Barbie one of those collectibles that is um, unique in that she's multi-generational?
7: Yes, because there aren't a lot of toys that have bridge the gap through all of the generations. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's been around since 59, so that's a a long run for a particular doll to be around, and there's been a lot of dolls that have tried to be Barbie, but haven't made it Mm -hmm. along the way, so... Um, She's just been a
2: constant for all of us. And she means something, I I think, uh, different to many women. And one of the fun things this week was on Facebook. My friends were posting, Barbie meant this to me when I was an only child. and, And, you know, she was my best friend. And in my case, Barbie established a love of fashion for me because there was no place that I was seeing fashion like her evening gowns and her red velvet coat with a matching hat and little pearl button and i would just fantasize about these clothes and just getting one of those new outfits was just a thrill for me
1: and again if you go to our facebook page (laughs) and you take a look at the picture of of johnny and her her best barbie finery this is not New stuff. Johnny yeah. had these things yeah. in her closet and has yeah. had them for years, and just said, "Okay, tonight I'm putting I'm wearing together, my Barbie, I'm doing Barbie."
2: Yes, this is true, including That's the pink wonderful. glasses. Yeah, I'm wearing my pink glasses too. Sherry, Elister wants to know if a brunette Barbie is more valuable than a blonde Barbie.
7: The, in the early Barbies, they didn't make as many brunettes as they did the blondes, so mm-hmm. yes, they are more valuable. Uh, the first two doll, well the, the the first doll and the second doll were only available in brunette and blonde, um, but the blondes far outseated the uh, brunettes.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you something crazy. Having grown up from the very beginning with my first Barbie at four years old in 1959, I became a lover of the extended family. Tootie was my favorite. And and I've I've said this to some of my girlfriends, and they're like, "Who?"
8: And that was I love.
7: Tootie. Tootie was her Tootie's little so sister, cute.
2: right? Yes, and then she has a twin brother, Todd. And I never laid eyes on Todd. Never saw him in a store. I don't know what the the kid looks like. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, that- well,
2: basically, the the same face, and
7: um, they. Um, they did a twin set, which is really cute. They're in blue and red and white and blue stripes, and they're at a little uh, Sunday table, which oh. is really
1: sweet. Oh, I bet. I have to ask, how collectible is Ken? <laughs> is he over in the corner? Ken of Ken's
7: always been Barbie's accessory. <laughs>
4: <laughs> You're right.
1: So I, so true to um, life,
7: okay.
4: Yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah um Ken has some amazing clothes you know the the detail work on the first clothes that came yes. out in the 60s are just absolutely amazing and um, Carol Spencer who was one of the earlier designers of from Barbie she had said when she had answered the ad that they were looking for a clothing designer and uh, se- seamstress. Mm-hmm. And she went thinking that it was for making regular people clothes, huh. not realizing that it was for dolls. And, I mean, everything that was on a regular person's clothes is on a Barbie, yeah. whether it be a zipper or a, you know, hook and eye or yes. a snap. Or it's, it's just wonderful. And even the little pockets on Ken's jacket. Um, the all, all the detail is wonderful and on the original Barbie outfit. Sherry, outfits.
2: didn't they have labels on the back of their clothes? So Ken said Ken in script and on the label? Yes, yes. Yeah.
7: All, of the, all of them had labels, and the original ones had the R for being registered, and then they went for the TM with a trademark. That's so, or wow. no, I guess it was trademark and then registered. So
2: uh-huh.
7: um, the TM labels are more expensive in some cases than the R labels.
2: Okay, I'm going to ask you right now if in a couple weeks we can get you back on the radio to see how this movie has affected business. Can we do that? Of course. All right, course. and you would have seen the movie by that time. We would have seen yeah. it. We can talk about it, and we can see how this—if it's going to have legs, if this phenomenon is going to stick around—because the movie's going to make about 150 million dollars this weekend. So
1: yeah, it's going to yeah. do all right. All?
2: Yeah. Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> is that all?
1: <laughs> and be, before we break for the news, the blatant plug light is flashing again. So if people want to call you or show up, what's the location, phone number, and all of that?
9: We're at
7: 6029 North Northwest Highway in Chicago, um, 773-594-1540, www.ggsdolls.com. We have um, lots of vintage clothes, lots of uh, vintage Barbies and newer Barbies and Lots of fun to look around the 5,000 square feet of uh, Antique to Modern Dolls.
1: we we'll come see you real soon. It's, it's been fun talking to you. and uh, you. And Pinky says hi.
7: <laughs> oh, wonderful. It's so great talking to you, and I'm so glad we connected again and enjoy the movie. I've heard that it is not just pretty and pink, and yeah. it's got fun involved, and it's got some serious issues, and I've... It's just a a really great movie, so I'm looking forward to seeing it.
2: We'll talk to you real soon, Sherry. Thank you so much. More coming up. Stay with us at WGN.
1: Well, boys and girls, once again, it's time for us to take a look into the world of big and... Small. ...screens. And find out, those people who inhabit those screens, just how big or... Small. ...they really are. (laughs) And here with all the pertinent poop, it's the pertinent poopmeister, his own bad self, Gino, 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 Gino the, the, the showbiz, showbiz machino. machino.
9: Tell me, how are you, Gino? <laughs> how are you, Gino? I'm doing well, thank you. Yes, you're, always
2: good. You're not feeling small?
9: No. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I'm in the presence of Dean Richards, who I just heard the promo for. Then then I'm nobody.
2: If Dean Richards is around, forget it. Interesting place to start, because he is a colleague of yours.
1: And since we're going to be talking about, uh, among other things, about uh, Barbie, uh, earlier this weekend, or earlier this week... I was listening when Dean was on with Bob Surratt earlier this week, and I was kind of surprised because he gave Barbie a C. Mm-hmm. He said he was overwhelmed by it. There was so much stuff going on <laughs> that he he just was really kind of overwhelmed. He said it's definitely not, not for, for kids. kids but right. as, so, so we're curious, what is your take on Barbie?
9: had to say but i have to tell you i went in with such high expectations because reviews were so good yeah and i just thought it was okay i I didn't you know i know the message that it's doing i understand that Uh but i went in there expecting to fall in love with this movie and did not and the other interesting thing is when i saw it it was a uh the first showing during the day on friday and there were only about 20 people in the audience. Hmm. And I'm wondering if a better audience, an audience that was into it, might have changed my opinion. Possibly. But, you know, Margot Robbie is amazing. But I, I just like, I, there were two musical numbers in a row with, with Ken and the Kens that I just thought, oh, I, hmm. I'm just not into this. Well, i and. A- and there are some nice tributes to Barbie. I, I know that, Johnny, I saw some of the things you posted. Mm-hmm. There are some nice tributes to Barbie and the doll, but it just didn't grab me. Hmm.
1: I'm amazed that uh, there weren't more than 20 people, because you may have heard us talking about how we were going to try and go see it, and right. uh, the, the theaters, uh, all of the showings were pretty much sold out. But that
2: was evening, and that's when people were coming from work, and, and right. they would put on their pink, and they were ready for the movie. Uh, let me share with you what John Lendecker had to say about the movie. John, you can hear here at 7 o'clock, Monday through Thursday. He said, if you want to see the patriarchy, get the absolute blank kicked out of them but in a nice way see this movie masterpiece masterpiece
9: yeah Yeah, not not to me I, I didn't I feel it was a masterpiece there were some very funny lines there were some great moments but sometimes I just was uncomfortable and not enjoying it
4: huh
1: do you think you would have felt differently had it not been so positively hyped
9: that's possible, but I, again, I try not to do that going into a movie, but I get that with the audience that was not into it either, maybe contributed to my experience, but overall, yeah. I still I still think I would have felt the same way. Now, Margot Robbie is incredible. She's great, but there's something missing, and I cannot put my finger on it, that, that mm. I didn't like. Have you two seen it yet? No, we no. couldn't
2: get in Thursday night. We couldn't oh. get in Friday. We could have had tickets this morning, Saturday morning at nine a.m. But I, you know, that did not appeal to me at all. Right? Because right. I want to make this an experience. You know, I got my clothes laid out. I'm ready for the, <laughs> the the big experience. And dragging Steve along, as I've said to him only one time, I had to say this: Hey, I've gone to every superhero movie with you. Yeah, and your point is, and you, you know, you said you're right. We're going to see the. Movie, don't worry about it. We'll we'll be there. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Well, Well, that is
9: incredible. That Steve, who normally wears black, had a pink jumpsuit with matching boots. Wait, that's what I
4: wanted
2: to see more than the movie. Wait, I can recall. We mentioned Taste of Chicago earlier. I can recall one year we were doing Taste of Chicago, and I talked Steve into wearing a pink shirt to what to match my pink outfit. And I remember our program director at the time walked over and said, you know what? You guys are just sickening. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, is this good? What, um, what are you trying? Are you saying bad is in good bad? Because
1: actually, going back to the, the 50s, pink and black, yeah, I'm yeah, there. You're That's all cool. over that. Right. Yeah. it works. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Right. The other movie, and again, this is what Gino does for a living, believe it or not. It's a heck of a way to make, <laughs> make a living. Uh, the other one you saw was Oppenheimer. Yes. Now again, that has people divided because some are saying, Oh, it's just too long, it's too serious, I don't care about these people But it'd be difficult to
1: make an Oppenheimer comedy. I mean, come on. <laughs> <That's
2: right. laughs> you know, <okay>. Exactly. <laughs> so, so where do you fall on it?
9: I I thought it was incredible. I think that Killian Murphy is a lock to win best actor. There's I don't see a performance that's even close to his. Really? And Yeah, yeah, he was great. And you've got a bunch of great actors working for a director who knows what he's doing. You know, I did interview the cast for this one in New York, Mm -hmm. and I was told by and Murphy that they shot this film in 57 days. Now, a oh movie my. that big, what? a spectacle as it is, they did it in 57 days.
1: How the heck could they do that? Wow. that th- and I understand they did this the old school way on, on film, on IMAX film?
9: Right. And if you can see it in IMAX, that really, really, really improves it. And then, you know, just the fact that Killian Murphy... He kind of resembles him, you know, dropped a ton of weight to play this role. Mm-hmm. And his eyes in this movie, he does more with his eyes than a lot of actors do with their whole, whole mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, and you've just you've said something that I guess I always thought his name was Cillian, but it's Killian. No,
9: it's as far as I know, that's what I was told. And I called him Killian and he did not
2: correct me. <laughs> he didn't hurt you. <laughs> Because right. he's right. he's played some pretty bad dudes on film, yeah. some scary yeah. guys, yeah. And it's all about those eyes. You're absolutely right. A uh, listener says the one nude scene was worth, worth the price of admission. Oh, my. In these troubled times, I don't think you can say that about a nude scene <laughs> with
9: a woman anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I will tell you that our mutual friend, Julia Sweeney, who was... Uh-huh on Saturday Night Live, uh, was very fond of the breath that she saw on screen. So uh, I, as a man, cannot say that. She can well, say it, and it's okay.
2: As I said last week, nudity and Oppenheimer are not two things I ever think of. Yeah. So right. immediately right. I have to assume that it's gratuitous nudity. You can at least tell me yeah. if it is...
9: Yeah, I would say so, but you know not not blatantly gratuitous. okay if that makes any sense at all. all and right. uh, yes, go ahead. Now
2: you you had a chance to interview I, I love the picture of you uh, talking with Matt Damon. what what's the backstory on that?
9: All right, so this was the 15th time that I interviewed Matt Damon and I pretended that there should be a gift when I interviewed him 15 times and I said, I understand there's a gift for me, and I, I'm looking around. And he said, um, "Yes." And he picked up an empty can of Dwayne Johnson's energy drink and handed it to me. <laughs> oh, um, golly! And I told him I thought it was a can ham. I did not think it was an empty empty uh, can of this. But you know, he he was teamed with Emily Blunt. Yeah. And I will tell you something. What a treat to talk to those two because. You know, in this business, you get five minutes, and if you get one soundbite that you can air, you're, you're lucky. I ended up running two days of the the soundbites with the two of them because they're just so incredible. You know, so smart with their answers. Yeah. I'm not really surprised. Awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and really high on the movie too. They're really happy about the finished product too. Yeah, we're talking. Yes. With,
9: and I mean, think about it. Think hmm. of that burden that Oppenheimer had to carry the rest of his life yeah. after, you know, the, the bomb uh, used twice in Japan sure. and all those innocent people killed. Yeah. You, you understand the, the torture that he's going through.
2: Absolutely, that's true. We're talking with Gino Salamone, Gino the showbiz machino, entertainment reporter for Fox 6 in Milwaukee and the Dish Network, and we will come back and talk with Gino more after this.
1: Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about Tony Bennett. Uh, the news that Tony has moved to a much higher stage was not all that surprising, but very, very sad. Oh, sure. And uh, Johnny and I have seen a lot of concerts, but the times that we were fortunate to see Tony Bennett are really Standalone highlights absolutely uh, the, the, I'll never forget the first time we saw him we were at Ravinia and our financial advisor was having an annual party with some of her clients and uh, and we were there and Tony Bennett was the entertainment and we were uh, not by the stage we were at a, a picnic area and we were having a, a nice time and then we thought well let's see, just wander over. And uh, Tony's daughter opened the show, and then when Tony came on, we were mesmerized.
2: Yeah. We didn't move. No, from, we had found a, a little corner uh, alongside the the fencing around the stage. We had great, great sight lines, and when he opened his mouth, and it just oh, it, it was it was just like something i'd never experienced before it was so cool
1: and we were fortunate to see tony at ravinia uh two more times Mm -hmm. and each of those times was just oh boy you're seeing another level of performance and i mean I've, i've seen the beatles i've seen elvis uh we've seen mccartney and any of a number of people tony bennett was on another level
2: It was so exciting, too, this week, uh, after the news of his passing um, uh, became common knowledge on Friday, the the cross-section of ages of people that responded to Mm -hmm. their love of him. You know, the 18-year-old musician, the the folks who were there in 1961 when he really became big – And we thought tonight, as we're talking with our showbiz machino, Gino Salamone, Gino, you had an occasion to to interview him, to be in in a a group of of media types that were interviewing him?
9: Yes, he was performing at the Riverside Theater here in Milwaukee and held a press conference. And uh, the reporter who started off things kind of got him on the wrong foot by asking him if he would do rock and he said, Why? And she said, Well, you know, rock and roll. And he said, Why? And I i uh, did, I wasn't trying to show her up, but I loved Tony Bennett and knew of his background. So I was the next question. And I said, You know, starting off as a singing waiter in a story in New York, did you ever imagine the career you would have? And then he looks at me and points at me and says, You know, that's a good question. And he, he was, Right from then on. But, you know, you talk about him in concert. He could take a song that you've heard a million times and reinterpret it and do it completely different, but it was still his own thing and yet so incredibly good.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And kudos to CBS, because on Sunday night at 7 o'clock, they're going to re-air the concert he did with Lady Gaga.
1: And if you've never seen that, or if you have seen it, and I can tell you, we've seen it twice, we're going to be watching. It is
9: so good. It's incredible. And I hope that that 60 Minutes interview, if you've not seen that 60 Minutes interview with Tony and his wife, that ability that despite... You know, being, suffering from Alzheimer's, the second the music played, he snapped into it and remembered every word to the song.
1: Isn't that amazing? Did you see yeah. on uh, Tony Bennett's Facebook page, his family posted that just this past week.
2: Oh, before he passed?
1: Before he passed. Every week, he his piano player would come over and they would go through some songs. And he did that just this past week, and the last song he wow. sang was Because of You.
9: <gasps> oh, God. Uh, oh, I got goosebumps. And how many great songs. I mean, and, and, the, and the unsung hero in all this is Tony's son. Yes. Yes. If, yes. If you will remember, his career was on the skids. He had a problem with cocaine at that time, mm-hmm. and he ended up calling his son, and his son helped him be exposed to a whole new generation, that MTV Unplugged, mm-hmm. and then by using all those great guests yep. who were much younger than him, expose them to a new audience, and that was, was so cool. At a concert, you saw a variety of ages that mm-hmm. you might not have expected to see.
2: Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned his son, because there's so many obituary pieces that ran yesterday and uh, I turned to Stephen and said, but they haven't mentioned his son because his son did get him on MTV Mm -hmm. and he did come up with the idea of the duets albums and one of the things I've always loved about Tony Bennett's duets and you can see the video of the making of the albums, he was in the same studio, unlike Sinatra, unlike Willie Nelson who did their pieces and then somebody across the country would do their piece and then an engineer would meld them together and you did not have that chemistry that Tony would have with an Amy Winehouse or a Lady Gaga. It was really, really cool.
9: You know, let's not forget, he also tried an acting career in the early 60s. It may have been nineteen sixty. There's a movie called The Oscar that he played. uh, He tried to act and he was the first to say it It was not a good performance at all. But the older he got, he started to appreciate comedy and being funny. And yes. Steve, I remember vividly how much you loved Alec Baldwin doing yes. the Tony Bennett show with the Tony Bennett and yes. played by Tony Bennett who called himself Phony Bennett. Phony
2: Bennett! And yes. it was wonderful. Oh, I hope somebody yes. re airs that because that was classic and so funny. It
9: is on YouTube. If, if yeah. you have not seen it, you need to see it because Tony, you know, was not a pro on live television, but he was enjoying it so much and had so much fun with it. And, you know, I think he, he appeared on Letterman like five or six times yeah. mm-hmm. in different skits. It was nice that he could enjoy that and have fun with himself.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and got better looking as he got older. The man was styling. Every time he stepped out on the stage, he looked fabulous. I mean, he was in his yeah. 90s at that he, point. He, he
1: came from that wonderful old school that Frank Sinatra came from. Anytime okay. either of them were on stage or doing anything in mm-hmm. front of the public, they were dressed for yeah. the occasion.
2: Yeah. And if you watched the country awards the other night, you would see that's not always the case. A a lot of flannel and a lot of baseball hats. And I was like, ah! Yes. And then let's
9: not forget his artwork. Uh, Yes, what an artist. Celebrity artist. But he was incredible. And in fact, uh, a picture popped up from when he played in Milwaukee in the early 70s. We had the revolving uh, restaurant at the top of the Hyatt. And there he was with his sketchbook, looking out and sketching. And that was his favorite thing to do on the road was to paint. And mm. it's good stuff. It's not, yeah. you know, a lot of times you see celebrity artwork and it's okay. Yeah. But Tony was truly talented at that as well. Yeah,
1: Gino, it's always uh, a treat to talk to you. I hope we get to talk on uh, a happier occasion in the future. But again, we should remind people they can uh, catch you. Up in Milwaukee, they can catch you on Dish Network and uh, on Fox Six in Milwaukee. Any other blatant plugs we missed?
9: That is it. That's all I need.
2: Thank you. <laughs> no, I love you, Gino. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Yeah.
1: Our next guest wears many hats, from being managing editor at Pickup Truck and SUV Talk to co-host for the Car Stuff podcast. She's also the editor at large for Consumer Guide Automotive. YouTube personality, TikTok creator, and all the ships at sea.
2: And a million miler, I'm sure, by this time. Um, We're talking about Jill Simonello. Jill, how are you this evening? Hey, I'm doing really well, and you guys just made me sound really good. (laughs) (laughs) And tell me, I said probably a million miler. Uh, How many planes have you been on in the past month? Do you know? Can you even count? There's so many. Um,
8: I I can't. Um, I can't count, Um, but I'm not quite a million miler yet. I think I have about 800,000 miles, so I'm like 200,000 miles away from being a million
1: miler. Wow! I always crack up at some of the shots that Jill shares with us on Facebook as she's on the plane, and she uh, very cleverly does the shots, kind of, of looking down at her feet, if she's sandwiched in the middle seat between two very big people who are
9: spreading things all over the place. (laughs) Yes.
8: Uh, But, you know, I figure I I fit. I mean, at least they're usually, when I'm stuck in the middle seat, it's their short flights. But, um, yeah, I... Well, it's funny, because I... if you don't know me, I always describe myself as the the size of an average 10-year-old. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, um, that's right. So I'm not very tall, I'm not very big, and I fit in small places.
1: <laughs> in, in fact, it, and we have known Jill for years, because we all belong to the Midwest Automotive Media Association, but Jill is most known for her pictures in the trunk of vehicles.
2: <laughs> How many Jills yeah. can we get in the trunk of this car, right? <laughs> Yes, yes. I am
8: officially 1.5 cubic feet of cargo volume. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who actually figured that out for me uh, with a weight height uh, measurements, and um, I, I, I feel like I have another friend who created an actual Simonello calculator, so you could plug in your height and weight and see how many <laughs> Simonellos I am. Oh my god! Are. But I, I don't. I don't know where that went. It was on the on the web someplace, and I, it may have been taken down at this point. But That's um, but wonderful. yeah. Uh, 1.5 cubic
2: feet of cargo volume. It's official. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the reason Jill is flying all over the world and literally all over the world is you are going on um, press junkets to to see new cars before they're going to be in the showroom, sometimes years before they end up in the showroom, right?
8: Um, yes, actually. So, I, I mean, I went to see, um, I was in Sweden uh, a couple months ago, and I was looking at the Volvo EX90. And, you know, that's probably at least still a year out from being in um, showrooms. And so, um, and, you know, this upcoming week, I'm going to be both in New York and in Santa Fe, New Mexico, looking at, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what I'm looking at, but two new vehicles that are um, getting ready to be revealed um, that um, hopefully will be in the showroom this year or at least um, not too far out. But, um, yeah, so I get to see cars before they go in showrooms. I get to test drive them before, um, you know, they're available for the public to buy. And it's
2: it's kind of a cool thing to do. I, I really enjoy it. I've been doing it for 20 years, so clearly yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm tickled to see you out there giving the female perspective on vehicles, whether it is cargo space, how many jills right. in the rear, or one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you tonight is when Tom Appel was on with us, we um, touched on this petition drive, and, and, and come to find out there are a number of petitions at move.org, people basically saying that female crash test dummies have to happen because cars are too dangerous for women and we thought you were the mm-hmm. p- perfect person to talk to being a little smaller than the quote average woman who's five foot four and it t- yeah. come, come to find out in fact you addressed this two years ago when the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety had come out with a study saying basically the same thing that cars are more dangerous for women than they are for men right this was two years ago. Yeah
8: yeah yeah i mean it's 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 interesting because it's a well-known fact that um crash test dummies are not accurate for females and very often like IIHS i feel like they do a much better job of crash testing and putting um different sized dummies in different seats including you know um, a female sized fifth percentile female which is me um somebody who's about five feet tall and weighs 95 pounds putting that dummy in the driver's seat well NHTSA and um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which is the, the governmental arm of crash testing, does not do that. They usually only use an average-sized male dummy. And to, to add insult to injury, like the average-sized male dummy that they're using is not the actual average-sized male of <laughs> yeah. today. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been digging into this a little bit. And um, it, it, it's one of those rabbit holes. I think there's going to be another story that comes out of this. Um, but but right now, even though they do have a dummy that accurately represents my height and my weight, um, it doesn't represent the fact that I'm a female. And women have finer bones; they have, uh-huh. you know, things positioned differently. We have, you know, anatomical differences from men. So it's a dummy that's a, like a, a male dummy that's just my size. Hmm. So. Um, a lot of the dummies that they're using aren't, aren't even really accurate for women. And there certainly aren't any dummies that are pregnant.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
8: and, and so, you know, it's just, it's, it's very interesting. And I feel like one of the articles that I read about this is they cre- the, crash, the crash test dummy was created, I want to say, back in the 1960s. So don't completely quote me on that. Um, but back in the 1960s for the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at that time, obviously, there were no women who were in the military, or at least certainly not pilots. And um, so they were male dummies. And then as the the crash test dummy, um, like, model developed into cars and things like that, they just took that dummy and then developed it with different sizes. And they are still essentially anatomically male. Mm -hmm. And so... um, you know, when you go into these crash tests and, you know, there's a, a Consumer Reports article out there that shows, you know, female increased risk of injury. And um, it's it's crazy because the legs, um, there's an 80% chance or 80% higher risk that women will be injured in their legs than men. You know, there's a a 38.5% chance that they're going to be more injured in their abdomen. There's a 44.7% chance that they're going to be more injured in their neck. You know, 58% chance that, you know, they're going to be more injured than males. So knowing that women are more likely to be injured in a crash than a man, you would think that they would uh, do something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, to try and figure out why and and force automakers to do better.
1: We're talking about crash test dummies with Jill Simonillo. Uh, Jill, uh, there's so many things I want to get into, but uh, I'm kind of curious. Am I correct in assuming that one of the reasons the industry would give for not having female crash test dummies or more accurate female crash test dummies? The very nature of the exercise is it's going to be a crash. Stuff is going to be destroyed. We're going to have to develop this new thing and then proceed to destroy it. And the cost of manufacturing them, blah, 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 blah. Is that kind of some of the response you get?
8: Um, you know, I'll be honest. I don't know. And how can you put a price on somebody's life? Exactly. So if that is the excuse or if that is the, the, the rationale, that's um, unacceptable. Um, but I, I just I think potentially the rationale is you know they aren't thinking necessarily about the genetic differences and the genetic makeup of the bone structure of women's pelvis being different and you know when I wrote the story a couple of years ago about um, the IIHS study. Um, and the information that they were putting out one of the reasons they actually gave for women being more injured and this kind of like the, the reading it again it kind of makes me angry um, but one of the reasons that they gave is was that well um, women drive different cars than men do oh. and so they're trying to blame it on the car yeah. and not the crash test dummy yeah. and um, and and so I, I just I, I think that's unacceptable and you know they the the other thing that you've got to think about is, I am not your average female. I am the fifth percentile female. I'm small. Mm-hmm. And if they're using a dummy for my size, even though it's not anatomically correct, like, what about the average woman who's 5'4"? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and and so, I mean, I have read some things that say, well, the idea behind that is if you use, you know, the the fifth percentile female dummy and the... Uh, 50th, or I, I can't, is it, I, I don't even know what the percentile is for the men, but like the largest percentile for men, and you make vehicles safer for the smallest and the largest of of the um, the population, then everybody in the middle is going to be fine. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you know, the, the, this amazes me on so many levels, uh, one of them being, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't some of the most recent research shown that women, are now responsible for the majority of new car purchases, and that more women than ever are driving SUVs. So, yeah. why yeah, aren't no, they paying more attention?
8: Like, yeah, th- somebody should be paying attention. So, thank you for shining a light on this. Um, yeah, I believe the current stat is that 84% of vehicle purchases are either made by women or influenced by women mm-hmm. and so you know the dude may be buying the car but uh the woman is just like no i wouldn't do that if i were you and <laughs> right. i mean it's,
4: it's, it's totally true i mean my
8: my, yeah. my husband and i have a single car between us because i usually get a lot of test cars to drive and so we we own one car um and when he was buying the car and we have a volkswagen gti which i love. Um, but initially, he wanted to get one of those boy racer, you know, Subaru WRXs with the, um, you know, the, the rear spoiler. that. And I was like, dude, you are not 20. <laughs> the answer to that is no. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's a fun car, and I really love it, but the answer to that is no. no. <laughs> and um, so we, we ended up going more, you know, towards the GTI route. And, you know, mm-hmm. I like a fast car. I wanted a manual transmission. Um, but yeah, boy racer with the, the, the <laughs> rear spoiler, that was a no. Uh, so, I mean, we both came away with the car that we wanted, but it wasn't the first car that he wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, women are influencing, um, decisions in like 84% of the decisions that are being made uh, about buying a car. And, and so, um, they should be paying attention to this. They should be shining a light on this. And I, I feel like I ran across. A story from Car and Driver where there is actually a company in Sweden um, that designed a crash test dummy that is anatomically, physically more related to a woman's physiology, Mm -hmm. and they just nobody's implemented it yet.
2: Well, now, obviously, one of the problems we have when you talk about stature is sitting so close to that airbag. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. about adjustable pedals? I know some vehicles have it. Is there any possibility that that could become a norm? You know, I think it
8: should, and personally... I don't understand why there, I mean, okay, probably cost is a factor, but I don't understand why there's an aversion to adjustable pedals right now. And I have a a couple stories on pickuptrucktalk.com about which vehicles have adjustable pedals. And um, around about 2020, like General Motors did away with adjustable pedals in their vehicles. So Delantis, which has Ram and Jeep, um, in their larger SUVs and pickup trucks, they have adjustable pedals. And then Ford, you know, the Lincoln Navigator and the uh, Ford um, Expedition they and the Ford F-150, they have adjustable pedals. That's it. Mm -hmm. So um, cars and uh, the smaller SUVs, where a lot of women are, you know, getting injured, don't have the adjustable pedals. Mm -hmm. And I, I just... i I will beat this drum with my last breath that more automakers should consider adjustable pedals because what that would do is not only push you further away from the steering wheel but here's a problem i have in a lot of vehicles is the underbelly of the dash swoops down so low my shin often Uh. brushes against that when i'm moving from brake to gas or gas to brake Mm -hmm. and imagine what happens in an accident now i understand why what 74 percent of you know, the women in, in crashes are injuring their legs more than men. It's because they're sitting so close to that underbelly of the dash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have adjustable pedals, it pushes you back just far enough that that would be safer.
1: Well, and yet me- I think a lot of the manufacturers are are spending too much time saying, oh, but wait. We have these 30-way adjustable seats,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which, which uh, or you have okay, four, fine. You have, but you have
2: 14 airbags. Okay, that's fine. But if they all open up on me, they could very well kill yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And,
8: and I mean, so there are some vehicles that I drive that I, I, I'm very, very uncomfortable in because I'm sitting within two inches of the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, NHTSA, says you need to be at least 10 inches from the steering wheel and then and then you'll be safe at least you won't die mm-hmm. <laughs> from the the airbag exploding in your face you'll probably break your nose and your, your your jaw but um you won't die um from from the airbag if as long as you're 10 inches away from it and i for a while there I w- every car i was getting into um you know when i started my tiktok channel and i would talk about the vehicles that i was driving people are like you're sitting too close to the steering wheel you're sitting too close to the steering wheel and i'm like this is as close to the steering wheel as I have to sit to be able to reach the pedals. And mm-hmm. so for a while there, I was, like, pulling out the tape measure. I'm like, nope, I'm 12 inches from the steering wheel. This is perfectly safe, according to yeah. the NHTSA.
1: Wow. By the way, I, I'm hitting the pause button for a second. You, you mentioned your TikTok channel. You currently have how many people following you? <laughs>
8: um, I, I think I'm up to about 97,000 at, uh, yeah, 97, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, 97,000 at this point,
2: so almost 100,000. Wow. wow. <laughs> wow. Again, there's that 100,000 number, or million. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jill- you and Taylor Swift. Yes. Uh, can, <laughs> <That> we, <wish. laughs> uh, can we get you to hang on for just a few minutes on the other side of the news so we can, because uh, I've got so many things going through my head, like that stupid comment that I read. Well, maybe it's because women wear different shoes than oh,
4: men wear. Yeah. Oh, yes.
2: <sighs> you know, I want to slap the person that said that. But- I want
1: to shove the shoe... Yeah. <laughs> We are talking fast cars and crash test dummies and other things with Jill Simonillo. And if you're on Facebook, go to the Steve and Johnny Facebook page, which, cleverly enough, is Facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show. And you will see we just posted a link to uh, Jill's website. So you can click on that and you can find out some of the things that uh, Jill
0: does.
2: Yeah, and I want to just take a moment and repeat some of the data that she gave us because this is government data. This is not somebody just guessing and surmising that this is happening, but it is legitimate government data that indicates that a female driver or front passenger who's wearing her seatbelt is approximately 20 to 28 percent more likely than a male to be killed when a crash takes place and has a 73% greater odds of being seriously injured. And Jill broke down for us the differences from the legs to the abdomen mm-hmm. to the shoulders to the head. It's really scary stuff. And Jill, as I said at the outset, there are a couple of um, move-on petitions that have been circulating, and that's how I came across the story a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what's the likelihood of, of NHTSA, of the government, looking at this and going, Duh! And You're what right. can we
1: do to move them in that direction?
2: Well, I think we just need to keep having conversations
8: like this. And, you know, the more people are aware, the more people, you know, talk about it, and the more people like us write about it, talk you know, put it on the radio so that people understand this is a problem. Like, I think there's the assumption that we're being taken care of, mm-hmm. that, that all of the appropriate steps are being taken to make sure that automakers are making safe cars, and that, you know, they're using a dummy that's my size, they're using a dummy that's your size, and they're testing all of the things. And, and so I think we just have to shine a light on this and say, nope, that is not the case. And, um, you know, just keep clamoring for change and, and for um, somebody, anybody, to, to step up and, and do the work and get the right crash tummies in place so that we can, you know, build better cars. And, and I want to I say that both Nissa and um, the IIHS, they've done a great job in encouraging and um, getting automakers to do better. Mm-hmm. And every year, IIHS makes their crash tests stronger and more stringent, and it makes it more difficult for um, automakers to achieve their top safety pick and top safety pick bus designations. And everybody wants those. So, you know, imagine what would happen if they were actually doing these tests with dummies that were anatomically correct.
2: Well, a listener uh, from a 708 area code says, doesn't GM or any of the other automakers have a bunch of different sizes and different types of crash test dummies with different sensors in them? And why couldn't the government just go to them and, and use them instead of starting from scratch?
1: Is it Does that have to do with the standards that the government says the, these dummies have to meet?
8: Um, You know, and I I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I would have to dig into that a little bit more. And and I honestly don't know if automakers do have the different size dummies. Um, Everything that I have read has said that the dummies that are currently in existence in the United States are based on a male dummy. Mm -hmm. And so, I I mean, I, I would have to go directly to General Motors or Ford and say, hey, look, you know, let's have a conversation about crash test dummies. But mm-hmm. like one of the things, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if if somebody like Ford does have different size dummies that are more correct. Um, I don't know if you um, were at the Midwest Automotive Media Association when they were passing around the Empathy Belly, um, but Ford has something that they call the Empathy Belly. And they, they uh, brought, I think they brought it to a meeting and then they brought it to different journalists to like wear for a day. And um, it basically simulated of a, a pregnant female. I want to say in her like third trimester, mm-hmm. and you know, big belly like weighted balls pressing on your kidneys. And um, their engineers actually wear that when they are doing testing of their vehicles, mm-hmm. so that you can simulate what it's like to be a pregnant woman and it was funny because i had it i made my husband wear it first <laughs> off and i was just like yeah you need to know how this feels um but, but second we at the time we had a ford contour svt so um this is pre-gti days and it was uh it was like maybe in 1996 Seven model mm-hmm. and um so an older car and i put on the empathy belly and i went down and tried to get in the car and adjust it for my driving position <gasps> and i couldn't get the the seat close enough to be yeah. able to push in the clutch and not be sandwiched between the steering wheel and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the the belly yeah and um so i'm i'm just like dang Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, all of these things need to be looked at and tested more. And I've not heard of another automaker that does anything like that with an empathy valley.
2: Well, on the subject of things that should be made safer, not one, but a couple of people said, why can't we get them to change the headlights? Because they're just so darn dangerous. LED headlights are driving me nuts. Yep. (laughs) I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. That's not going to change. On,
1: on one hand, the boy you can see the road in front of you better, but on the mm-hmm. other hand, the car is coming toward you. Oh boy, are they blinding you?
2: Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. No,
8: my, like we'll be on the road, and my husband's like, "Why do they have their brights on?" And I'm like, "I don't think those are brights. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're LEDs." Can, can I take you in um, a, and, a? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I mean, they're absolutely doing it for visibility for the driver.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Can I take you in a different direction for a couple seconds? Uh, What have you been driving lately?
8: What have I been driving lately? Um, Oh, let's see. Well, I was just in New York, and I drove the Volkswagen Atlas, the 2024 um, Volkswagen Atlas. Um, I had the opportunity to drive the Bronco Raptor recently, which was really kind of cool. You love Um, that, too. Oh, it was so much fun. Um, I, I just had the Mercedes EQS, their electric SUV. Um, the Nissan Aria. Um, so I'm getting like a nice smattering of electric and gasoline vehicles yeah. lately. Oh, and the BMW MQ. Um, that was quite lovely, but it didn't have a manual d- transmission, which was depressing. Um, so a manual transmission is available. Um, the test car just didn't have one. So I've I've been driving everything from, like, sporty little things to pickup trucks and things that you're supposed to, like, jump over mountains.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of the things you will like if you take a look at uh, some of Jill's reviews is her honesty. And I'm going to give one example. I loved the comments you had about your recent Infinity experience. Could you share some oh. of that with the class? <laughs>
8: Share with the class, um, yeah, you know the infinity vehicles um they're 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 vehicles that I want to like that I just I, I won't say that I don't like them, but I don't like them as much as I would like to like them, <laughs> and so I recently was driving the infinity q x sixty and um typically after I have a test vehicle, I will post like ten photos and give like a little one hundred two hundred word summary of my thoughts and I really liked how the Infiniti QX60 drove and I, I liked like the, the wireless Apple CarPlay, uh, but there were some things that just kind of annoyed me, like the third row seats. I don't know. Like I, Again, I'm the size of a 10-year-old. I climb around in the third row seat <laughs> a lot and um, because I'm the person who is going to be back there. The, my size person is going to be back there. And I don't know what they were thinking or who designed the headrest for the third row seats, but they took forward. And so when you get into the third row seat, you just can't, like, it's giving you tech neck with your face, like, in your phone. Maybe that was the purpose. You know, forcing you need to look at your phone while you're sitting in the third row. I don't know, but they're, they're horrible. And, um, and and it's the same seats that they have on the Nissan Pathfinder in the third row. And and that was another one of my complaints is, you know, here's this Infinity QX60. It's supposed to be a luxury vehicle. And it's just, in my opinion, very much a rebadged nissan pathfinder and and so i just really wanted there to be more of a difference between the infinity and the nissan and they're like oh wow there was padded feet but um <laughs> that was about it so oh, I'm oh to, like, wow you know, offend anybody who owns um an infinity not my intention but i, I mean i just I've been very disappointed in what Infinity has done lately, and because I used I used to love them. Do you remember the days of the FX 45? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that vehicle was amazing and very groundbreaking, and 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 I want those days back. Mm. So I guess I'm I'm just like looking back at that, and I'm just. It's like when you go to a movie that's been so overhyped, and then you're like, go and watch it, and you're like, well, it really wasn't that great. That's kind of how I feel about Infinity
2: <laughs> it's That's so funny, because that's where we started tonight on the subject yeah, of Barbie. Barbie. And talking to our guest, yeah. you said, it was just so overhyped, and I was really let down. So we've come full yeah. circle. Well,
1: yeah. While sticking with that that theme, I have to ask, are you going to go see Barbie? Uh,
8: I'm not going to go see Barbie. Um, I Yeah, I'm not much of a movie watcher, I'll be honest with you. My husband is the movie watcher in our family.
2: So he tells you what the movies are all about, right?
8: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and plus, like, every time we go to the theater, he usually ends up falling asleep, and he snores really loud. (laughs) And I'd be, like, elbowing him, and he's, like, he gives me the dirty look. Chill. No, 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 you don't get to make me go to a movie and then fall asleep and then snore. (laughs) Um, in the middle of it. Uh, that's not
2: how this works. Give him some um, nasal strips so, for that. <laughs> yeah, give yeah. him a, a, a breathe right strip when yeah. you go to the movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, but yeah, so I think
8: one of the last movies we went to, and this will tell you how long ago it was, we went to Wolf of Wall Street. Oh my God. I gosh. didn't want to go see it, but he wanted to see it, so we went. And about like a half an hour into it, he falls asleep and essentially leaves me alone with this horrible movie I didn't want to see. <laughs> And I was just like I hate you we're not going to the movies anymore you're gonna what? keep
4: doing you know falling asleep
1: yeah. Just, but yeah well then he doesn't do the trick that Johnny's mom used to do yes we would go to a movie with, yeah. with Johnny's mom and dad Johnny's mom would fall asleep but she would wake up and say oh wow that was a great scene she would something L-hole. like that yeah
2: hey, did you see that yes I saw that and I saw the and
1: I saw everything before, before it that.
2: too. <laughs> Like, did you see that? Though that would be the question. Did yeah. that? That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, Jill, it's such a pleasure to catch up with you on the radio, and I know that you're going to get a lot more people looking for you because it, I just I love your approach to testing cars. I love the fact that you climb in the third row.
1: I love the fact that you climb in the trunk.
2: <laughs> yes. You need to
1: do a, a trunk podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
8: well, yeah. A trunk podcast. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I will say that there are some people that are very um, put off by the fact that I climb in the trunk of vehicles because they're like, well, kids are going to watch you and they're going to do oh, it and they're going to get stuck. Oh. And I'm like, OK, so first off, if somebody sees you drinking a beer, are they going to go drink a beer? Yeah. You know, no, I don't think so. But, um, you know, I, I part of what I do also is I test the the latches to make sure they're working.
4: Yeah,
8: right. um, because in the in the trunk of every vehicle there is a um, like an emergency pull button, mm-hmm. and so very often when I get in there, I, I you know I'll have my husband standing outside with the car keys, and I will like and trust him that he will get me out if I can't get myself <laughs> out. Um, but uh, I will I will pull the latch, you know, to to make sure it works. And I've actually had engineers come up to me at auto events and say, you know. We have this space, like so. The Hyundai Santa Cruz, for example, um, they have um, in the trunk, or not the trunk, in the bed. They have a in-floor storage inside the truck bed. Right. And they were, they have an emergency release button in there. And one of the engineers came up to me and was just like, you know, that that's there because of you. And I was like, wait, what? And they're oh, like, wow. yeah, we were talking, and they weren't going to put an emergency release button on that. And the conversations that were had was, well, who would climb in there? Who would fit in there? And they're like, so let let us tell you about Jill Simonello. And um, they actually, I think, went to my Instagram page and saw me climbing into things. And they were like, okay, yep, we'll put an emergency release button in there.
2: Wow. (laughs) Well, God bless you. And people can find you on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. In fact, before we let you go,
1: a blatant plug. Anything we should mention that uh, people should look or listen or read or whatever?
8: Um, yeah, you know, I'm on pretty much every social media at this point, um, including the newly uh, found threads, um, yep. and I use the, the hashtag Car Jour. Uh, My name can be a little bit difficult to spell. Um, it's not Cinderella, Salmonella, or Citronella. Um, <laughs> none of those things. Um, but um, so Car Jour is very often the best way to find me on all of the social media because I tag all of my test car stuff with that hashtag. So it's like soup de jour,
2: but with car instead. Car de jour. I'll never forget Salmonella, Centronella, <laughs> and Cinderella now. Thank you, Jill Simonella, for putting that in my head. <laughs> Thanks so I'm much, much for your to time Cinderella tonight.
8: Any of those other things.
2: And and let's keep talking about this, too, this business of the crash test dummies, for sure. Let's do what we can. We will on this end. And if you do something or you interview somebody, you let us know so we can follow up on it, okay?
8: Absolutely. I think, like I said, I think I'm going to have a rabbit hole that I need to go down to, and I'm going to have some conversations with some of the automakers to see what they're doing.
2: Thank you so Terrific. much, Jill. Take care. Thanks, Jill. You as well. I want what Jill Simonello eats. My goodness. And she is a marathoner. And so oh, she she, she has a very strict, very healthy diet. But man, that woman has energy, and she is all over the Internet. And I wanted to say the reason you don't want like movies is you, you can't sit still for two or three hours. Yeah. I really believe that.
1: We've known Jill for years. Uh, we first met her, oh, I don't know how many years ago, uh, because we've been with the Midwest Automotive Media Association for just about since its For 25 founding, years, uh, yeah. I think longer than that.
2: Yeah, you're uh, right. You're right.
1: Because we go back to the days when uh, Jim Mattea who right. uh, longtime listeners and readers of the Chicago Tribune will remember Jim uh, who did this uh,
2: wonderful automotive uh, columns. Jim is responsible for multiple cup holders in your car. Oh yeah it was he a used campaign. to complain about yes, the cup holders and he wanted them bigger cup holders because mm-hmm. he drove into the Tribune from Gurney and he had a large cup of coffee. And this is before the days of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And he said, It won't fit in my cup holder. I've got to hold it between my knees. That won't work. We've got to change this. And that became a part of his reviews. Some of my
1: fun memories of Jim uh, are <laughs> the days when we'd be up in the showcase studio with Bob Collins
2: on Michigan Avenue.
1: Jim Mateo would come. Now, this was over at the Tribune Tower. The parking lot was behind and under the Tribune Tower. So you would walk. Around this parking lot and come up the stairs on Michigan Avenue. So you'd be sitting in the showcase studio, and up these stairs comes this guy looking kind of like uh, Columbo, the, the morning after the night before.
4: Yes,
1: that—that's how Jim Matea always looked. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and I say that with a whole lot of affection he was just a terrific guy
2: it was a long drive from Gurney it was like driving from Wisconsin on 294 Uh, quickly Jill reminded me because of her climbing in trunks Mm -hmm. do you remember when I was doing the Chicago Auto Show TV show
1: I I almost uh, had you tell that story before we got uh, Jill off the phone
2: director Al Parker thought it would be great if I got in the trunk of the car and so I would throw up in the trunk and I would pop out and I said wait a minute I'm- Al Hall. Al Hall yes uh, I'm 5'10". i wearing three inch heels that's Mm -hmm. different than a five foot tall woman climbing in the trunk but i did it and i was wearing an evening gown and we did about 15 takes because every time i'd throw open the hood i'd like fall forward
1: was that the year you had that uh, bob mackie that bob mackie and this was a bob mackie evening gown that they wouldn't let johnny sit down so she had to just lean against me during the breaks
2: it was thousands of dollars and Cher was wearing it a couple of months later on television not that very one, but that design. And they were afraid if I sat down, it would cause a butt mark. So I had to stand for like 14 hours wearing this thing in these high heels, and then climb into a trunk of a car, and then pop out and be so happy. And I thought, you don't pay me enough to do that. It's just not working for me.
1: We are joined by the Director of Educational Technology, Keck School of Medicine of USC. More importantly, Joseph's dad...
2: That would be Doctor Patrick Crispin.
1: But we understand that uh, Joseph's agent said uh, he he cannot join us tonight.
6: He's uh, unfortunately he is in bed, uh, <laughs> and as much as he wants to talk to you guys, he is with his iPad playing Pokemon Go, and I'm you know there are priorities Uh, uh, understood Understood.
2: (laughs) yes and he had an exhausting day too he was at the splash pad playing his little heart out so
6: they they tried to go to the beach today um, Mm -hmm. but apparently at like, all the beaches were, like, completely filled up. So there was, like, Plan C was they watched a little airplane land at LAX and then went off to a Splash pad at but, one of the regional parks.
2: Is it because of the heat that the beaches were filled up? I mean, literally filled yes. up?
6: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, certainly we're not Phoenix. And for the people who are, who are listening in Arizona, please stay cool. We're worried oh, about yeah. you. That. But uh, the weather here is, it's been warm. I mean, after six months of, you know, not a single day over 80, we haven't had that problem anymore. So, yeah. Wow.
2: (laughs) We had a lot of ground to cover with you. Um, First of all, is the honeymoon over for Threads?
6: Possibly. And and the thing is, we kind of knew that this was going to be an issue. We talked about this when I was in the studio, that there are a couple of issues with Threads. It's still a new service. Right now, it only runs on your mobile device. There are ways for you to see individual threads in a web browser, but there's really no way in a web browser to go in and kind of go in and do what you would normally do at Facebook on your web browser or Instagram or anything else. You have to use your mobile device. That's a limiting factor for a lot of people, especially people as they get a little bit older and their eyesight isn't nearly as good as what it used to be. It's like I don't know. I want to see something on a bigger screen. Um, it's it it's still, you know, what ends up happening is people get onto it saying, this is really great, and then they kind of stopped going to it. So the amount of time that people have been spending on it has dropped. Mm-hmm. I do think as new features come out, and remember, this is something that, that the folks at Facebook Really, Meta rolled out very, very quickly. They saw an opportunity with what was going on over on Twitter and said, "You know what? this is our opportunity to release this. It's still, I would say, an alpha level program yeah. In other words, mm-hmm. not even a beta program. right. I think as they start as they start doing a chronological timeline, as they start enabling you just to see the people that you follow, do more and more things that are like what you'd see on other social media sites, I think you're going to start seeing people come back. When we were in the studio where I said, you know, one of the things that people, you know, were up in arms about was that, you know, if you want to get rid of threads, you have to get rid of Instagram. And I kind of said in the studio, no one gets rid of social media accounts. They keep it, and if they don't use it anymore, they just abandon it and walk away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing is people are kind of hitting pause on threads, I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger. It's just going to take some time as new features are rolled out.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I am one of those people who found out this week that, yeah, I can access threads on my desktop. But just as you said, I can only see my feed of what I posted. I can't see anything else. Right. But again, as you say, this is kind of an alpha thing. But as I go back to threads on my phone, I'm seeing a lot of people getting very engaged. The other thing that I'm finding interesting, and I wonder if you've noticed this too, Patrick, because I know you're also on T2. I'm finding a lot of people are getting very involved with T2. Uh, And T2 seems a little more... uh, conversational than threads, if that makes sense. Uh but it
6: does make sense. And, and I think the T Two Social um it's it's uh basically it was created by um some former Twitter employees. I think it was um Sarah O and um oh what's his name? Uh, Gabor Sazell. Um and, and they wanted to be sort of a replacement of what Twitter was like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um You had to get on a wait list for a while. Uh, I remember it took us forever to get on it. But again, most social media sites, what ends up being the sticking point is they only take off when you have a whole bunch of people sign up to them, and they're really interesting people, the people that you want. That's what gave Threads the leg up to get to 150 million people so quickly was that it was tied into Instagram. As it became more and more popular, obviously, people are kind of going, okay, but is this it? Is there more? No, there's there's more coming. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to wait for this. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, there were a lot of slings and arrows thrown at it this week by the folks at Twitter because they were talking about how Threads is rate-limiting things. You remember a couple weeks ago right. where uh, it, you you basically got limited on Twitter by the number of posts you can actually read. That's not what's going on on Threads. What happened was, and all social media sites do this. They set up something where you can't, they're not going to let you go and follow like more than a couple hundred people a day. And what I mean by that is going in and saying, I like this person, I want to follow their posts forever and ever. And if you think about that, that's because that's how humans react. No human being goes on to threads and says, I'm going to follow 7,000 people today hmm. and 7,000 people tomorrow and 7,000 people. Only spammers or bots do that.
2: Or, because this happened early on, people saying, I'm going to get 100,000 people. I'm going to be one of the first yeah. people to do that. So it was kind of a challenge. It didn't matter what those people were or who they were. It was just exactly. a number. And before you know, Elon has a party, I think it's safe <laughs> to say that a lot of these 150 million people decided that they were just going to give up on Twitter when they came over to to threads, right? And,
6: and and Twitter's Twitter's daily average users is down. Um, I will tell you the threads daily average users are also down over mm-hmm. the past past week. But you know, people are kind of realizing, okay, Twitter just doesn't seem to be the place that I want to be. And you know, Twitter um, in the last couple of days started paying some of their super duper posters. Um, I'm sort of a profit sharing of what's going oh, on. Yeah. And there were a lot of people who were like, well, wait a minute, shouldn't I get money too? And mm-hmm. you have to be a paying subscriber to do it. And it ended up kind of alienating even more people. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know, do I want to be in that Eco-space?
1: ecosphere anymore? I don't know about that. Well, that, I, I will give you the best reason, and we have to take a break in a second, but one of the best reasons to be uh, on Threads right now, you can follow Musk's plane on Threads. <laughs> so. It
4: was one of
6: the first things they did. <laughs> yeah.
2: The guy was kicked off Twitter, <laughs> for violating Elon Musk's privacy, and he went over to Threads and says, well, I'll just do it over here. And I'm fine. following him. Yeah, yep. fine. But, Patrick, you're right. The numbers for threads did decline from 49 million on July 7th. That was the the number of people on a daily user basis. basis, It's fallen to like half that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Don't misinterpret that to say that the people who signed up for threads have gone away. They haven't. It's just how many people are Are
2: using using it it. on
6: a daily basis. Well, and I'm one of those daily average users.
2: Steve has to remind me. I go, ah. I always forget I can go over to Threads because and, and, you and, ask me, have you checked Threads today? And I go, no, I forgot about I, it.
1: I enjoy it. Each day I'm checking Facebook and Threads and T2 and Post and all the ships at sea just to see how the, how the playing field yes. is bouncing and maybe leveling a little bit.
6: Well, we got a lot well, of ground. For long-time listeners, I'm proud to say I no longer see Paris Hilton in my feeds. So. <laughs> you
2: no longer do, <laughs> and I saw her in my feed and didn't recognize her. So go figure. <laughs> wow, um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about with Patrick Netflix. If you're a Netflix user, we got some information about that. Patrick,
1: uh, maybe uh, when you join us in oh about two weeks. We've had a number of people asking about some of the computer stuff in their cars and uh, just having questions with, okay, now how do they uh, do this? Uh, like there were some posts on uh, some of the car groups that I follow where they were suggesting different kind of USBs to get or thumb drives to get to download Stuff Updates. stuff from your manufacturer and then put it in the car on your own. So I'd like to spend a little time talking about that. Maybe two weeks from tonight we'll get into that a little bit.
2: Of course. I just want a key in my car. I don't even want a button. I want a key. Turn it and go. I don't need a thumb drive to download an update from the manufacturer that scares the daylights out of me. Okay, yeah, I
6: remember I remember the days you'd stick your key in. there was a carburetor yeah. uh, <laughs> and now, and now it is like more computing than was on the Apollo spacecraft, yeah, it's like no uh, kidding, I don't know how to fix this,
2: really, <laughs> well, um, I want to talk about Netflix because um. Yes. <laughs> It was a few months ago that Netflix made news because mm-hmm. they said, We're going to crack down. You're not going to be able to share your password. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, that didn't hurt Netflix. Uh, they didn't see a. a, a there millions... was an
1: initial kind of a reaction, but then when it actually happened, people were like, Oh, well, all oh, right. Okay. okay. I'm good with yeah. that.
2: But
6: they actually increased the number of subscribers. Isn't that interesting? People have signed up because they realized, Oh, I have to pay for this now.
2: Well, they actually realized, Oh, I. I've been stealing right right so I'm not going to steal anymore now if you put it that way I guess I do feel kind of like I should go ahead and sign up but now Netflix has taken another step that might now this might tick people off so explain what people who have the basic plan should be aware of
6: if you have the basic plan you should just sit there and go I have made the greatest purchase ever pat yourself on the back you are fantastic. Set off basic plan uh, was something where you could just basically um, stream for nine ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. It's no longer available, but it's no longer available for new or rejoining members. So if you don't have a basic plan, or you had account an account canceled it and want to come back, the nine ninety nine a month is no longer a possibility. It's gone. However, if you have a basic plan, keep paying the basic plan. It's still ninety nine a month. What they've done is they're replacing that nine ninety nine a month basic plan with either a standard plan with is ad supported. In other words, you will watch Netflix, but it's gonna be ad based. Instead of being $9.99 a month it's month at six ninety nine a month. But, what we would call the basic plan, the sort of replacement for it is now the standard plan and instead of being nine ninety nine a month it's fifteen forty nine a month oh. <laughs> and if you want to add extra people to your membership um, because you can get two devices on this on the standard plan, each additional person is seven ninety nine each which is still, you know, a decent price. Mm-hmm. And then the premium is if you want to have four devices or four connected users at the same time. Um, and thats nineteen ninety nine. That, that price has not changed. That's actually what I have. So I've got Joseph is online, Christine's online, my brother's online, I'm online. We have a four, four, four device. Mm-hmm. Also does uh, ultra high definition and spatial audio. But again, $20 a month is a lot of money. But, but again, if you have a basic plan, um Celebrate you have a basic plan, it's no longer available. You can keep using it, but no one else can get
2: one. But remember, if you decide to change your plan even though you've been a user, then you're going yeah. to lose that nine ninety mm-hmm. nine. And if you decide to cancel and think you can come back because you've been a user for a hundred years, no, they don't recognize that. You're going to have to go in with a new pay scale.
1: In fact, that isn't that the case. Isn't that the case with a lot of things? Like uh, for years, Johnny and I stuck with this old. I, I don't know how many years ago we got it. Uh, cellular plan. Yes. Because. We got tons of stuff yeah. for a really good price. And, oh, but you can get this new whiz bang. You're but, say, no, uh, no, no. Don't touch not our not plan. So nope. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but speaking of, of streaming and other things, uh, I would like to recommend something that we talked about. Uh, I think it was uh, two weeks or so ago when people were talking about uh, what's going on with Nexstar and with DirecTV. And we recommended Roku. Let me again suggest Roku. We had a different experience this past week. Some of our neighbors are uh, from originally from Iran. And we found out that on Roku, along with seeing YouTube and uh, tons of other things, uh, watching the TV stations out there where uh, Patrick lives in California, or seeing uh, Channel 9, uh, you can see Iranian television, and, and they had
2: no idea that they could yeah. see Iranian television. And,
1: and there are tons of things that you can get. And with a Roku, and I sound like a Roku salesman, but it's roughly thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. You get the box, you connect it to your TV, and you got all this stuff. Yeah, there are options that you will have to pay for, but you have a ton of free streaming stuff that you can see on your TV. So
6: it's it, it, streaming is really fantastic. The only thing you you need is first of all you have to have pretty decent wireless So because it's going to be connected to your internet. Mm-hmm. And then you need a box and Roku is probably the best entry level box out there. They're everywhere. I mean, name name a big box retailer, Roku's sitting on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And it's super simple setup. If you've got a cell phone and wireless, um in your home network, you'll need a cell phone for, to basically do a couple pieces of setup, but you're going to connect your, connect this thing to your TV, then use your telephone to kind of do a couple things on the back end. That Roku connects to your wireless, and you are off to the races streaming yeah. channels.
1: And, and while we're in Chicago, we're streaming the channels from Florida. While we're in Florida, we stream the channels from Chicago. Right. So and we're
2: watching LA TV because yeah. I love to see the outfits that the women wear <laughs> on the news in LA.
1: <laughs> oh, watch the LA car chases.
2: Yes, the, the helicopter the LA car, car chases.
1: chases. are wonderful. Yes.
2: yes.
6: Well, and the other thing is during the tornado, we were watching WGN 9. That's right. Yes. From, from Pasadena. Right. So, it was, it, you know, it, it's an opportunity for you to see local news in markets where you may not be in that market.
2: That, you you know, you just reminded me, you guys had just left Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the very next day yeah. is when we had a dozen tornadoes roll through here. And I texted and I said, I'm so glad you're not here now. <laughs> and that's when you said, we're watching it. We know. Well, take a quick break. It was one
6: of the first things we did. We downloaded the apps.
2: Yep. Uh, and real quick, I'm going to say this before we break for the news. I ordered Roku at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it was on our doorstep at 1:30 that afternoon, the yeah. very same
6: day. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay,
2: that was, that was crazy. Yeah. How
3: much extra did that cost you?
2: It, it doesn't cost you anything extra each month. It just cost you the $31 out of pocket from the it, No, new-
3: I know. I, I mean the the speed delivery.
2: Oh, Oh, nothing. No, No. because
1: because Amazon has a uh, A distribution distribution center center in the northern suburbs.
2: So literally, I was stunned too, Gabe, when it it was on their doorstep. I was like, whoa, I just placed the order. That's crazy. And that happens a lot, but not all the time. And we don't pay any extra. We're just prime users. Yeah. Or maybe there's a little star next to my name because I use it so much. Well, saying, there is that. Get her her stuff. She deserves it. <laughs> a listener just texted and said, please negotiate with Joseph's agent for his appearance in two weeks. That's what an <laughs> I will make
6: sure you will be here. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, and, by the way, a listener says Amazon Fire is great, too. I have WGN yes. as an option
6: there as well. And, then, and I'm. If you want the expensive version, um, the Apple TV. I've got the Apple TV 4K. Uh, it's fantastic. For, it's also really expensive because you know it's Apple. Forte. I, I love it.
2: F O R T E. Is it F O R T E? Forte. forte?
1: No, I think no, the, yeah,
2: f- 4K. Sir, 4, 4K. 4K. I'm thinking yes. that's a fancy name for an Apple Forte. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, it's a,
1: that's a number K. Uh, number the number K and the and the letter <laughs> four. four. Uh,
2: yeah. The news uh, on uh, the news on app is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. This is another texter two one nine area code. It says they have a wide selection of local TV stations across the country where you can watch their local news and programming. Exactly what we've experienced. Yes, we agree. Uh, a listener texted, no, it was on Facebook earlier this week and said, if Patrick is going to be on this Saturday night, can you ask him if he could address smartwatches? And I think this came about as a result of Amazon Prime Day. People may have bought a smartwatch mm-hmm. thinking, I can't beat this price. And now they've got it and they're thinking, is this really something I need? But specifically, she wanted to know if all smartwatches offer a fall detection,
6: meaning... Not all of them do, but the really good ones, the ones that are more than a couple hundred dollars each, do. And they're fantastic tools. Now, Johnny and I were texting in the background, and I said that Johnny will be shocked by my recommendation, which is if you are concerned about fall detection, don't get a smartwatch. And what I mean by this is the smartwatches are great. I love my Apple Watch Ultra. It's an $800 watch. It's fantastic. I wear it all the time. It's on me, you know, unless I'm in the shower, and I probably should wear it in the shower. The thing is, for one of these fall detectors, it's built into the smartwatch, but you want something that you're going to be wearing all the time everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to wear it to bed. You're going to have to wear it in the shower. You're going to have to wear it in the bathroom because that's where the majority of falls occur. And the reality is you might not want to have a smart watch on you all the time. If you're concerned about falls, you really should be thinking of a medical alert system and not a watch. The watch has this feature built into it, but honestly, a medic alert system those pendants or bracelets that you wear, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's just a safer tool for you to use. The thing is, if you're, if you're using the watch, the watch has to be within Bluetooth range about 30 feet or or less of your phone for it to be able to connect Mm. to cellular, unless you have a cellular, um, have a cellular, uh, watch by way of comparison. Um, You know, a lot of these pendants that you wear around your neck, Bay Alarm has one for, I think, 40 bucks a month. Um, And it has fall detection built into it. It has a mobile coverage. And as long as you're wearing it, and you're wearing it all the time, you're covered. Mm -hmm. The other thing is the battery on a watch. Even the Apple Watch Ultra, which can go two, maybe three days if you're lucky, you have to take it off to charge. Mm -hmm. And you have to charge these watches frequently. Some of the smaller watches you might have to charge once a day for a little bit of time. Hmm. With these pendants, these medical alert systems, you don't have to charge them frequently or as frequently because they just have replaceable batteries in them. So I just honestly, if you're concerned about falls, that's your primary thing. A watch is okay a medical alert system is just going to be the thing to do, and the same thing if you're thinking about getting something for a loved one. Smartwatches, most of the modern smartwatches, Garmin, Samsung, Apple, they have fall detection. But again, if that's the thing that's driving it, you got to look at a medical alert system in addition.
1: So, so it really comes down to what is your primary reason yeah. for getting this thing?
2: Okay, so I'm going to yep. be the naysayer on this because I use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. I wear my Fitbit in the shower. I sleep in it since October of 18. I literally can tell you the number of times that I've had it off me for any period of time. I have an indentation in my arm that will never go away where my Fitbit sits.
1: This this is possibly the best Christmas present I ever got, Johnny.
2: And I wear it primarily for um, steps And um, just to keep track of, you know, my activity during the day and my sleep, I find it very, very um, informative. In fact, I'll take a little left turn on you guys for just a moment, proving to me that CBD has been helpful for me and my own personal Mm -hmm. uh, life. I could see prior to taking CBD before bedtime what my sleep was like, and I can see the charts after. And it's dramatic where I was getting, you know, very little REM sleep in a a given six-hour period versus, oh, wow, that's what REM sleep is all about. I could see it on a chart as a result of wearing my Fitbit at night.
1: And and I will uh, put this addendum. Since Johnny has been using CBD, it has defined, in my world— quality of life it has made right. such a huge difference now again talk to your individual doctor see if this is right for you um but but i'm just saying from our experience oh boy has it made a huge difference in our quality, quality of, of life.
2: life i know i took a left hand turn on you because i do wear my yeah. device 24 7 and I in want, the shower but, too. but i want to your hold you
6: is not a, your not, device is not a smart watch
2: it's not a big your de, yeah.
6: No, your device is what's called a fitness tracker.
2: Okay, and, but I,
6: but I want to hold
1: you it, on that. It, it, I'll hold you on smartwatch. If you're going to get a smartwatch, and if one of the things you want in that smartwatch is fall detection, yes, should you check to see if the particular smartwatch you're going for is in fact waterproof and what kind of waterproof recommendations you do they have it. Yeah,
2: you're right Patrick. You should be wearing it if you're in the bathroom, if you're in the shower and your phone should be there with you.
1: So if you if you get a smartwatch you should and you're going to use it for fall detection, you should use it as Johnny uses her Fitbit in the shower. So yep. does the watch you work in the shower?
6: They all do. Uh, all of the modern smartwatches made within the last 4 or 5 years have industry standard water protection so you can wear them you can wear them swimming in the swimming pool you can't go diving with these things unless you pay the $800 for the Apple Watch Ultra but all these things are waterproof you you really don't need to worry about that but what the big thing the difference between a smartwatch and a fitness tracker is a smartwatch has a screen on it that really is the face of a watch Mm -hmm. and shows you a whole bunch of other features as well. And it's that screen that requires batteries, Mm -hmm. and it requires you to charge it up over and over and over and over again. I know that I was charging my my original Apple Watch, you know, at least every day, and you'd have to take it off to be able to do that. That's a concern. Um, The Apple Watch Ultra, I haven't charged mine for a couple days now, and I'm at 30%. I'll probably charge it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's one of those things where you have to decide all the features that that you want in it. Waterproof is absolutely built into it. You also want to consider there are two types of smartwatches. There's ones that require you to be connected to your phone through Bluetooth, Mm
4: -hmm.
6: and there are ones that actually have their own cellular signal. What you'll do is it, you add it as an additional line on your cell plan. Ah. So you don't even have to have your phone with you. And it just, in effect, becomes a second cell phone with you. So you can go walk around, and if you forget your phone, you still have your watch on you and can make and receive cell phone calls. You can use Google Pay or Apple Pay, and it's like having your mobile wallet just on your wrist. Mhm. <laughs>
1: Is it like some cell phones, though, in that you might get to an area of the country where it won't work as well?
6: There are going to be areas, not, not necessarily areas of the country, unless you are in a very rural area, but there might be parts of buildings where you might have poor signal. Or, you know. So you know your cell, your cell phone, and if there are any dead spots in your house, where especially in the bathroom... Um, you know, the the smartwatch might be an issue in your bathroom for fall detection. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's if you are in an area that doesn't have cellular, maybe you have wireless. But again, if you if not, you are going to be cut off, and it's going to be true with the fitness with sorry with a, a um, smartwatch and with um, one of these medical alert bracelets or mm-hmm. pendants. Got it. So signal is important.
2: Well, I'm glad we addressed that, though, because, uh, again, I understand what you're saying, too, if it is really, really important, if it's all about the fall. Mm-hmm. And I had the feeling that the, the uh, listener was possibly purchasing a smartwatch for a family member, and that seemed to be the primary right. reason why she was making that purchase. A couple of quick things that we need to get to, Patrick. Uh, listener says, uh, and and this is worth repeating, 847 Area Code says, when you're watching WGM on Roku or any other streaming service, are you getting all the programs or are you just getting the news? We're just getting the news. You,
1: well, now with WGN uh, no, Plus... You're old,
6: you're, you, you should be getting all the... the entire. It depends on, on the service, but you should be watching everything because it, it should show you the live feed.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. There is a... It depends on the individual station and right. what, what they are sending out. For example... If we're in Florida and we want to watch WGN, we can click on WGN Plus, and then we're seeing what you're seeing 24 hours a day on WGN. Up here, if we want to watch the station that we watch for news in uh, Florida, WJHG, we can click on it and we can see snippets of their newscast or if we tune in at the time that their newscast is on we will see that whole live, live. newscast right. with sometimes local commercials inserted but then at the end of that newscast then it goes blank and you're just that's... you are left with um the, the snippets that have been archived
2: okay that, i i knew that's what we were experiencing
6: yeah, It really depends. I mean, if basically, if it's a broadcast network, for example, an NBC station or something like that, you're only going to be able to see what is available during the newscast. You're not going to be able to stream regular NBC. You mm-hmm. have to have an over-the-air okay. provider for that.
2: Um, that. That was from an 847 area code. A 630 area code said just found out that you need to have your AirTag battery charged or replaced. Can you talk about that?
6: <laughs> yeah the the the, the, the apple air tags fantastic device you can get them pretty cheaply and they are basically the size of a little round puck inside of it is a cr2032 watch battery which you can find at the checkout stands of every jewel asco or Eckerd drugs if they're still around or wherever you want walmart target and what you do is about a year, year and a half after you purchase it, about every you know twelve to eighteen months, mm-hmm. you basically take the air tag in your hand, and you kind of press down on it and twist your hands, and it pops open, and you put in a new twenty thirty two battery and put the thing back together, and you're done. It's a lot easier than changing the battery in your uh, car remote, <laughs> so
2: mm-hmm.
6: it's it, you just need to replace it every twelve to eighteen months.
2: Okay. Uh, do you get a, a signal to tell you that it's dying, that you get better get yes. that battery it, ready?
6: Yes. It, you'll, you'll get a notice on your phone once it gets really, really low. Okay. If you want to see what the battery status is right now, in your if you have an Apple uh, phone, an iPhone, you can open up the Find My app and then look for your AirTag. And then in the AirTag, it'll show you the battery strength. But again, every 12 to 18 months, just count on having to replace the battery.
2: Okay. Uh, another thing that has come up in conversation, and it was um, reinforced to me because of what I saw on Facebook today, a couple of my friends were apparently snowed by fake Facebook pages.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and apparently that's becoming a really big deal. Of course, my question is, what is there to gain by faking a Facebook page? But that I'm flaunting my ignorance there, so what is there to gain, and is it a big deal?
6: Well, there are two types of fake social media accounts. Those are the mega superstars and then your friends. Mm -hmm. For the mega superstars or companies, the idea of faking that is you can cause embarrassment for that company. We remember when Twitter got rid of verification and Pfizer ended up uh, getting spoofed on Twitter. Somebody created a fake Pfizer website Mm -hmm. or a Pfizer account and was saying, you know, really things that actually caused Pfizer's stock to go down. So it could be that, or it could be somebody pretending to be one of your friends and trying to, hey – have you checked out this new mm-hmm. website that where you've got this great cryptocurrency that you can invest in and look at all these NFTs and look at all the great things that I'm doing? Give me your money now.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So there there are fake, fake accounts out there. You've got to be aware of them. How do you know if an account is real or not? Well, one of the ways you can do it is just look at the activity of that account. Go in and kind of look at it and say, what have they posted recently? And it's all sales. And if it's all sort of just like oh. this isn't this isn't what I remember this person being like or this company being like, mm-hmm. that should set up a warning sign. And also, if it's a personal account. Just if it's a personal account, call the person. Mm-hmm. Say, yeah. Hey, is this you? Call or text him if you know that person. Don't just rely on social media. Don't just DM him. Just call or text him and say. Hey, I'm seeing some stuff posted on social media. Is this you or somebody pretending to be you?
2: Even though your picture is on that page.
6: And, uh, well, yes. and, and speaking, of pictures, to take that picture.
2: Yeah.
1: speaking of pictures, uh, particularly on Facebook, if you get the message on Facebook, this just popped up on my feed and I think you're in this picture, do not click on that.
2: Or... Look at this video I found. You're in it. You're in it. Yeah. Something like don't, don't, don't don't go there. No. Because the bad things that can happen is right.
1: You, You click if you click on it. Basically, you're giving them access.
6: They might they might say, hey, I've got a live one here. Let's go and target them some more. It, it's sort of like the spam messages you get in an email box and say, Hey, you won't believe this picture I found of you on the internet. Click on this attachment. And it's yeah. go, No. not <laughs> doing that.
2: <laughs> or once you do it, you go, No, why did I do that? Because <laughs> you're not thinking when you click.
1: Well, we, we've touched on a ton of things, but uh, let me ask you, Patrick, uh, in the couple minutes we have left what's on your radar what, what new stuff has popped up that uh, that you're paying attention to or that we should be aware of
6: the big thing really right now is in education which is where my, my focus is um, our medical students are actually starting on the 31st of June or July so we're getting ready for the start of our next uh, academic year very early so our students will be here and we're getting ready for that. And then educators all over the place are kind of still worried and concerned about what to do about generative AI Mm -hmm. and student use of generative AI and how they can use generative AI as faculty members to improve their performance, which is why one of the things that I'm working on behind the scenes is I'm going to try to do either a video or a workshop which will be ChatGPT 101 for Beginners. And I'll post it online in a couple of weeks. And anybody who wants to find out about it, you can find out. Because so, only about 14% of the population has actually tried ChatGPT. I think more people need to see what it is so that they understand what it's great at and what its limitations are.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I sent you a copy of the Johnny Cash song done by AI. <laughs> Have you listened
1: to it yet, Patrick?
6: i i did this is remember we were in at your place and we were listening to their version of a an elvis song which didn't sound like elvis no. this
2: one sounds like is this is good
6: this could have been johnny yeah,
2: this is this is a johnny cash singing that he's not a barbie girl wow well again patrick as always it's a pleasure to have you on the show thank you hug the boy for us tomorrow okay
6: Thank you. For now. Right. Make sure he's here next week, two right.
1: weeks
2: from now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye now.
1: we got a lot more coming up. Stay with us. Uh, by the way, uh, some people have been texting and asking about the, uh, the time of the uh, Tony Bennett Lady Gaga special that is going to be repeated on CBS. And I'm looking at the uh, Tony Bennett Facebook page, and they say, one last time, an evening with Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga... A concert special honoring the musical legacy and enduring friendship of Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga will air a special encore this Sunday, July 23rd, 9 to 10 Eastern and Pacific Time on CBS. That would be 8 o'clock Chicago time. And if you haven't seen it, watch it.
2: Oh, yes. We've
1: seen it twice, and we're going to be watching it.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: now we would like to introduce a lady that we have been fortunate to to be friends with for for many many years we first met her when she was introducing the united states to the extraordinary talent of tommy emmanuel uh, she has uh, been a uh, professional Manager, representative of uh, of people in the entertainment field that you should know for a lot of lot of years.
2: One of the hardest working people in business yeah. I think. <laughs> and she's on the road right now. She is Gina Mandalo. Hi, Gina. Hi. Oh my goodness! I'm so happy to be talking to you. How have you been? Good. Great. Great. Good. good. You are traveling with Daniel Champagne these days, right? Yes,
10: I am. I'm tonight. We were in Seattle.
4: Mm-hmm. Washington.
10: And uh we can, we went up against Taylor Swift, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you wow. Can. But um we had a great show. It was a really good night. And uh we're going to head to Spokane tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And and we're going to be talking with uh Daniel uh in a couple weeks, too.
10: Yes, you are. Yeah, um he'll be coming over to the the space in Evanston on August 30th and uh, and a bunch of Wisconsin dates before that. Yeah. Um, So he'll be up in your neck of the woods, and uh, um, I can't wait for you guys to talk to him. I think he's he's a lovely, lovely young man. He's fantastic.
2: Yeah, we met him a few years back when he was with um, Muriel Anderson. On her uh, home, right. on her homecoming night, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he blew everybody away. And I'm excited to say that apparently he's already selling out in spots up in Wisconsin. So if you have any interest in seeing him, you better get your tickets at Space in Evanston.
1: And, and Space in Evanston is one of our absolute favorite, favorite As we we describe it as one of the best listening rooms you yes. will ever see, hear, go, have, be there.
2: Have you been there, Gina? Have you
10: been to Space in Evanston? I I haven't actually been there. No, um, I, was, I was. I've just been. You know, I was told go, go, get God. him into the space, and I did, and it worked. So Good. You know, but I have been uh, because when I was around with Tommy, we were at Shank Hall in in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Daniel's going to be there, and um, a place called the Burr Oak in Madison, um, and then a couple of littler places like the uh, Lacrosse at the, at uh, the Main and. Uh, Cafe Carp in Fort
2: Atkinson. <laughs> oh, that's so, a that's you know. a good one in Fort Atkinson.
10: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're great. We've been working with them for years, and they're, they are so supportive of, of artists. You know, I have another client, Gareth Pearson, who you'll be hearing about um, soon, mm-hmm. um, going there because he's going up to do some dates with Tommy up at uh, uh, Big Top Chautauqua.
4: <laughs>
1: ah. Now, some people are wondering, <laughs> well, what the heck does this have to do with tony bennett well that we 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 should back up and say that we just found out uh within the past 24 hours that years ago i didn't know this part of your career that while you were uh representing artists in australia that you spent a significant amount of time taking tony bennett around to various appearances Uh, tell us about that
9: Well,
10: I was the um, marketing manager for country, jazz, and children's music because they're all such similar genres. (laughs) And um, and uh, you know, if somebody in those genres came into town, I would be the one to take them around the country, take them to radio and television um, uh, interviews, and you know, set up set up uh, meetings with the Sony staff. And uh, you know, back in those days, we 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 all were you know, each branch had sales reps and a whole, you know, a whole bunch of people on board. And, uh, you know, they might do in-stores. They might do, you know, all kinds of different appearances. So I set all that up and got it all going and went with him. So I would travel, stay in the same hotels, and you know, and um, meet up with him and take him everywhere. And uh, that's what I did during this tour.
2: That is amazing.
1: When you first found out that you were going to be uh, uh, handling Tony Bennett on that tour – what was your reaction? Were you intimidated, and what was it like when you first met him?
10: Well, it, it, I wasn't intimidated, really, because, I mean, working at Sony Music at that time in international artist marketing, we were taking, you know, Springsteen on boat cruises and Celine Dion on events, <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, there was a lot going on, but I was excited to meet him because mainly because of um, my family history in New York in the music business, and um you know, it, it's like, it's just kind of like made me feel very, you know, very close to home.
4: Mm-hmm.
10: Um, and it, what it was like was just, it was such an honor because everybody who met him and everything we did was like, oh my God, this legend is coming in, oh. you know. Yeah. um it, You know, everybody was so in awe of him and he was such a sweet man. He was just the sweetest man. You know, he, he did everything... All the promo we asked him to do, and you know he did, he did all the meet and greets that we asked him to do, and there were a lot of those. And um, he was just so gracious, you know. Um, and you know his wife came with him, Susan, and, and um, you know his he brought his trio with him, so there was you know a oh. team of like six six people, <laughs> and um, and it was great. Now I had you know I mean I'd also taken like Winton Marsalis and Willie Nelson and all those guys around, so. That was the job, and um, I, I don't think I was ever really nervous, but I, I, I was i was responsible. In other words, my phone rang, and it was the, the managing director, the head of Sony Music, saying, so you're with Tony Bennett. How's it going? Everything good? <laughs> 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 this guy never calls me, you know? Uh-huh. And, wow. And, and, and I was like, uh, yes, sir. Yes, Dennis, yes. Uh, everything's great, you know? And, uh-huh. Um, so it was kind of a big job.
4: <laughs> yeah, I there, guess.
1: there's a wonderful picture that you posted on Facebook, and I will ask you if we can share it with our uh, our listeners. Yeah. A picture of you and Tony Bennett, and he's standing there, and he's he's right next to you. He's kind of got his arm around you, and it, it, tell us about that event. What was going on then?
10: Well, that's when he was playing at the Sydney Opera House, and um, which was. That was a a first for me in terms of, you know, being a part of a show at the Sydney Opera House. I mean, subsequently, I did it with Tommy, but back then it was like a big deal. And uh, that was the whole uh, uh, national staff. That was the head of marketing and the head of promotions and, you know, all the heads and and all the support staff. And we were all there getting our picture taken. And um, then he did his show in the Opera House. And it was just, you know, well, Sydney Opera House was just classic. It was incredible. So that's where I
2: was. I'm looking at your picture, though, and I'm thinking, how is it that you look younger? You, Gina, look younger today <laughs> than you. This is, I oh, mean, you're on the road. Easy. You're working hard. I mean, this is crazy. Well, I,
10: I, I look younger now because back then I, I was tired a lot, working a lot. Ah. I was a, a, a workaholic, you know, traveling all the time, you know, always working mm-hmm. day in, day out, uh, It's you know kind of like being in the spin cycle of a washing machine I um, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's a busy job so i was tired and that's pro- probably look tired. <laughs> but i'm not as tired now
1: anytime we were lucky enough to see tony bennett and we saw him several times at ravinia as we've said before his performances were stand-alone highlights of our concert going experience. There, there was just something about Tony Bennett on stage that was another level. And we're talking with Gina Mandello, uh, who has handled any of a number of performers around the world. And, and Gina, I wonder, uh, I use the, the phrase standalone. And you have seen and worked with some of the world's best performers. What was your reaction the first time you witnessed Tony Bennett on stage and his impact on an audience?
10: Uh, just the, Just the sheer, you know, professionalism and... Just the beauty of his voice, and he's like the one of the last of the great crooners. You know the the Sinatras and Vic Damone, and and you know all those greats. He was he was young younger than a lot of them that, that had have since since passed on. But you know that era of that required the utmost knowledge of m- music and skill and vocal training. You know he he wasn't faking it. He was he was. Highly a highly trained vocalist and and that's not easy um, and it was it was just very clear and and everybody knew the songs and reminisced and it took everybody back to a time you know an early time in their lives um, you know when it was just another era you know um, and he just hey, I don't know he just really captured everyone's heart.
2: And the beauty of Tony Bennett with the Lady Gaga and the reason we, we keep telling people they should watch this this, this concert, this rebroadcast uh, later tonight, is the fact that it brought a younger audience to him. That was well, so cool. Well, he also
10: did stuff with um, Katie Lang. Uh, oh, yes. And he did the sure. plug with her.
2: That's right. So he
10: was always, that's the cool thing about Tony. He was always uh, re, um What's the word? Just remaking himself? Like, oh, let's try something different now, Mm -hmm. you
2: know? But he he wasn't going to do rock and roll. Because we were talking to a friend earlier who said uh, that he was in a press conference with Tony when Tony was asked about would he ever consider doing rock and roll. And he's like, really? And it really said you could tell that the the vibe in the room was a little tense because he didn't even like that question. And, and, and our friend who's a reporter said, you know, I, I was the next person to ask a question. I thought, it, it better be good, because he's not happy, because he's not interested in doing rock and roll. And at that point, he'd come off a very successful duets right. album. And you know, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't interested in doing Amy Winehouse's songs. He wanted to keep doing his songs but in his way with these people. And, and
1: talking about uh, Tony Bennett doing duets, with all due respect to Frank Sinatra, who I love, Frank Sinatra's duets' albums, Frank was not in the same room at the same time as his partners on those albums. With Tony Bennett, every single session he was in the studio singing eye-to-eye with whoever it was that he was doing a duet with.
2: Big difference. Mm. Yeah, big difference. So you're going to... Go ahead. I'm sorry, he was in, uh,
10: you know, I was working for Sony Music, which was Columbia Records, and Columbia Records had at that time, and I guess still does, but uh, a reputation for, you know, really high-quality legacy acts. I mean, Barbra Streisand on Columbia, and Neil Diamond's on Columbia, Mm -hmm. and all of the greats are on there. And it was really, it's really great to see that that, you know, they upheld that, standard and that's what they wanted to do and um yeah it uh, it There are many artists uh, on that label that are are the highest of quality musicians around ever, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, By the way, I posted your picture on our Facebook page, on the Stephen Johnny Show Facebook page, and said that you were the one in that picture being hugged by Tony Bennett, so people would know. (laughs) And you said you're going to Spokane next, is that right, Uh, later today? Yeah, Spokane's tomorrow, um, and then we do this ridiculous
10: run the next day's the next day's boise then the day after that is salt lake city and the day after that
2: is denver and
10: the day after that is santa fe
2: wow wow and now when uh daniel champagne comes to chicago are you going to be with him
10: no his girlfriend is coming out uh from australia and uh, taking the middle part of the tour uh, i'll join up with him in uh portland maine on um uh, what is it, September 29th. I've mm-hmm. got, I got to do stuff with other clients um, in uh, August and September, um, and, uh, you know, I have to go to Winfield, Kansas, for a bluegrass <laughs> festival, and at <laughs> least other stuff. That's <laughs> great.
1: You, you sound like you're having fun, are you?
10: Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. I, listen, I was so kind of like crazy during covid all i wanted to do was get out of the house and go somewhere yeah mm-hmm. and at one time before that i said oh gosh you know i'm tired i've been on the road a lot i don't know if i still want to do that but now i'm like get me out of the house <laughs> get me on the road i want to see all my old friends and be in new places and not sit in my office all day. It's exciting now.
1: Are you finding that audiences uh, kind of have the same feeling, like they're so glad to get to a live performance, and particularly the kind of places that, like a Daniel Champagne, would be performing, not a huge United Center or something, but a, a, an, an intimate listening place where you can get close right. to the artist and kind of vibe off the artist. That, that's a special feeling.
10: Well, it is. And, you know, for for the longest time, even when you couldn't even go, there was like, uh, uh, you couldn't have more than 30 people in a room, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then you just can't s- sustain that. So it's taken a long time to, you know, bring the audiences back, you know, for a long time, people, even if they could go, they didn't go because they were afraid to go. So now everybody's back, you know, and the proof of it acts like Taylor Swift selling out three nights in stadiums in Nashville. I mean, people are back. They're definitely mm-hmm. packed.
1: Did yeah. you see the uh, this figure just came out within the past twenty four hours that it looks like Taylor Swift's tour will generate over a billion—that's with a B dollars. Yeah. Good, good for her. Oh
10: yeah, <laughs> she's a, she is a, one smart woman. I tell you what,
4: she, yeah, she, sing she, it. She drives
10: the ship on that one, and uh, yeah, I mean everybody, if you're if you're a Swifty, you're going to this show, and, and you'll – I don't know what people are doing to get these tickets. Apparently, they're in the thousands, and, you know, what are they doing? Selling their cars? I don't understand.
3: <laughs> Probably.
10: money to go to these
2: shows. You yeah, know? and we've got that happening this weekend with Beyonce. And, you know, some uh, of the street price tickets – Oh, uh, the
1: well, they're crazy. Ticket prices are what like $2,000. Like,
2: $2, yeah. $2,000. And it rained on top of that. And you had to wear a baggie over your cool outfit. Oh, you know, that would really hurt. <laughs> Well Gina it's
10: the only time I've done anything like that is I, I bought tickets to Barbara Streisand in Brooklyn mm-hmm. um, to see that show. That was pricey, but what the heck it's Barbara. <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Gina, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you for joining us on the radio tonight.
10: Well, thank you for having me, and it's so great to talk to you guys. I've missed you and I, I want to get up in that direction
2: soon just just to see you. Good. I hope you do. Be safe. Travel well.
1: Thanks a lot, Thank Gina. You. Love Thank you. A
2: have a lot. Have a good night. Bye-bye now.
1: She is a very special person. Again, we met Gina first with uh, Tommy Emanuel years mm-hmm. ago. Without Gina Mandela, you wouldn't know about Tommy Emanuel today. Okay, we got a lot coming up. Stay with us. Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. The special is going to be rerun tonight, Sunday night, 8 o'clock Chicago time on Channel 2.
2: And I'll have a box of Kleenex with me while I'm watching it. Yeah, because it was um, what was the the show most recently when they were performing together, and he would look at her, and you could, you, and, and she even talked about the fact that she was not convinced that he knew who she was backstage.
1: Well, that that was
2: it was the, in that
1: the, okay of that show. because there, there's the moment in the show. Yes. What and I'm, spoiler alert. Uh, watch it anyway there's a moment where Tony has been on stage performing yeah and Lady Gaga is at the corner of the stage and she's starting to come out and this is when he was dealing with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. but he looks over he sees her his face lights up and he says Lady Gaga and you can see her reaction to the fact that she was recognized by him mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a moment.
2: It is. And I probably forgot it was in that show because when I think about the two of them, I get teary because I can recall that look on her face yeah. was, oh, my God, he knows it's me. We're okay.
1: They were so good for each other. Oh,
2: do you remember the CBS Sunday Morning feature that they did where they showed that um, where they lived in New York? They mm-hmm. could literally look across Central Park and see each other's. Um, residences yep. and she would be painting and it was because of him that she started seriously painting mm-hmm. and some of her work was fantastic of course his was outstanding I mean he was blessed not only with the voice and the interpretation yeah. but an artist on top of that but I love I, I hope that CBS Sunday Morning replays that tomorrow because that was a great today. feature today yes I <laughs> uh, thank you <laughs> Some unfinished business. Yes. We often find ourselves at this time of the morning saying, oh, there are things that we didn't get to.
1: And you would think with a five-bleeping-hour yes. show uh, that we'd get to everything. No, we come in here with a, a list of things, and yes. each um, each week we go see. home and we say, oh, we didn't get to blah, 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 let blah, me, blah.
2: Let me look at this this list we have here. Why do you staple my And pages? yes,
1: we have an – because you're the one who tells me to staple them. I don't staple okay. mine. You say, I want mine stapled.
2: Okay. Tony Bennett, check. Beyonce, check. Well, the news did cover Pat Hughes going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I'm so happy. How cool for Pat Hughes. Yeah, I'm so happy.
1: Yeah, he's with another radio station right now, but but Pat Hughes is so cool.
2: And he was here forever. Yeah. That's how we all got to know him and love him.
1: He he so deserved that award.
2: Oh, darn. We didn't have any time to talk about the accordion convention. Oh, gosh.
1: Didn't you say that's going on this weekend? I think it uh, wraps up tomorrow. Today today yeah you're right
2: Uh, okay Uh, the one thing that we did not get to was something that had come up in our facebook page and our announcement of what was going to be happening on the show tonight a listener by the name of marilyn zilka said johnny can you please give us an update on your prp injection And I think I did that about this time a couple of weeks ago because somebody else said, can you tell us what your experience has been with your PRP injection?
1: And we should back up and say that for roughly the past year and a half, two years you've been dealing with a torn rotator
2: 80 87 percent tear yeah. I'm not sure how they figure that out but a um, substantial tear 87 percent tear in my left shoulder and <clears throat> the pain was constantly there it's like just a toothache that you can't make go away you can take Tylenol and it kind of tamps down the pain but it's still there
1: you'd done uh, the physical therapy and everything and it was getting close to the point where surgery was going to be an option but fortunately you had a very 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 smart doctor who said before surgery think about
2: prp which is platelet rich plasma and it is an injection i foolishly went in thinking that it was a shot but it's an injection of your own plasma which is now platelet-rich, so they they take the blood, it goes into a machine, it gets shaken up for about 20 minutes, and then they get the vials ready, and without any, no lidocaine, no pain meds, they start the injections. And using an ultrasound, she was able to see exactly where she wanted to inject the plasma-rich, the platelet-rich plasma. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. It hurt. It was one of those, by the time she was on the third vial, I'm like, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to be fine. But we finished it up. And,
1: and you come walking out to the car with your arm in a sling.
2: And when I left you, I said, I'm just going to have a shot. I'll be out in a few minutes.
1: So roughly an hour later
2: an hour and twenty minutes later I come walking out and I'm baby I'm holding my arm because mm-hmm. it's in a sling because it felt really weird. I didn't have any pain. It just felt weird. And, and you I- said
1: it felt heavy.
2: It felt so heavy. And I didn't have any pain I can't say I had any pain from the injections afterwards. I was warned that it could be very painful. In fact, I was given pain meds.
1: And didn't the doctor say it felt heavy because the platelets, Because are, of the, it, it, the of blood the, is so rich that it actually makes <laughs> that area feel heavier?
2: Well, no, actually, she said it's the weight of, of the liquid that's in there. She said, I'm going to keep it simple for you. She said, you're not imagining it. It does feel heavy because it hmm. is heavier, but that's going to go away. And she said, and the pain will go away in three to seven days well I never had any pain I never had to take pain meds I was very fortunate and within 48 hours I said oh my look I can extend my arm it had been frozen Mm -hmm. I can raise my arm I can get dressed without doing these crazy twists and turns and turning myself into a pretzel excuse me I got excited and I'm starting to cough Um, It was remarkable, and here I am, months later, a couple months later, and I'm raising my arm to the sky, and I'm pointing to the left, and I'm picking things up, because I wasn't doing anything with that arm. What happened was I injured my right elbow, because it was taking the brunt of everything. It was carrying everything. It was doing everything, so now I may be going for PRP in my right elbow
1: now, let, let me emphasize, and uh, we're going to have to break here in a couple seconds. Which reminds me, last call, get ready. We're going to have to. Uh, uh, they're starting to dim the lights, and they hear the zamboni. So, if you want to be our last caller, three one two. I always forget the number. Nine eight
2: one seventy two hundred. I always
1: want to go with the old with five nine one. But it's 312-981-7200 If you yes. want to be our last caller, but the as we always say, anytime we talk about something like this, this was whether it's me with uh, with gluten or, or Johnny with this, these are our experiences. We're not doctors. Take this information to. Your doctor, and see there are a number of people that were scheduled for knee surgery, for example, who were able to do this and they didn't have to have the knee surgery.
2: Now, I should say, too, it's not covered by insurance at this point. Right. But if you do the research on it, you will find that... Um, it's
1: under $1,000.
2: It is under $1,000. Um, it's a thousand, In my case, it was $825 of quality of life.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You don't know going into it if it's going to make a bit of difference. Right. It may not help you at all. And I certainly wasn't textbook, because within 48 hours, I was feeling... The, the, the positive effects of it. And what it's doing is allowing your body to heal. So hopefully, there won't come a time when suddenly I revert back to having a torn rotator cuff. I'm told that right. that absolutely should not happen. But who knows, I guess it could. And I guess that's the same story with knees or elbows or wherever you might have the injection. Mm -hmm. But uh, an orthopedic doctor is the one that does it. And Marilyn um, uh, made me think that she's actually scheduled to have the procedure, the injection. She was just curious as to what my experience has been. So Marilyn, if you're listening, I hope yours works out as well as mine did.
1: And and Marilyn, please stay in touch with us and let us know uh, how it works out for you. And, And again... We just, we're not doctors. We just share this information in case you might want to take this information to your medical professional and say, What do you think? Would yeah. this help me? Yeah. And, and I hopefully, guess
2: hopefully it will. All orthopedic doctors are not doing it. So if yours doesn't, don't be discouraged. There are plenty of doctors in Chicago. Right legitimate, mainstream doctors that are, in fact, doing it. Yeah, this is
1: not quack medicine. No,
2: and I think a lot of them are not doing it because it requires some special equipment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, if you're going down this road, I pray that you are as lucky as I've been so far.
1: Because, I mean, we've talked about two things tonight that have defined quality of life for you. Mm -hmm. One was the CBD And the other was this procedure. And boy, either one of those absolute definition of quality of life made a difference. Okay, we got to take a break. Uh, But they, oh, it's like a strobe light. He's flicking the lights in the other room. So, wow. And the Zamboni is coming nearer and nearer. If you would like to be our last call, and the last call, if you are the last caller, you get some prizes from from the prize list. Give us a buzz, 312 981 7200. That number again, 312 981 7200. And the last call is coming up. Um, you were going to add something?
2: You no, know, I was going to say, please don't use that voice because you may end up, you know how they used to say, don't cross your eyes, your eyes may freeze that way. Don't use that voice. <laughs> what make are you it, trying no, to say? Please don't. don't okay, do that. Oh. we're
1: going to take a break on the Mighty 720.
4: No. All right, people. Yep, it's time to go home. Yeah, it is.
1: Uh, ooh, watch out! Yep. The zamboni's coming.
0: Lose <laughs> some time. We're ready to
6: head on out. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: I think in that bar, they just use one of those big, wide brooms, and they just push you out with it as they're sweeping the floor. Lights come (laughs) up, and the chairs get flipped on top of the table, and then they just push you right out the door. Here, we've got a cool Zamboni that polishes the floor. Yeah. And um, Bapakuda, along with keeping the big plug, he drives that sucker around, and he wants mm-hmm. it done by 2 o'clock. So
1: that's what we're here <laughs> so for. So we have to get out of here. we
2: got to get it done by 2 o'clock. <laughs> and we have a whole bunch of calls, and I'm going to randomly choose a number.
1: And I picked last week, so you get to do it this week.
2: And I'm going with number one. Number one. I'm going with Pete.
1: Okay. Hi, yeah. Pete. How you doing?
0: Well, I'm wondering why Johnny doesn't like your voice. <laughs>
4: Pete, stop that! I don't know about why she doesn't resist. like it.
0: I just, I couldn't resist it. Oh, and I found out what happened to all the old AM DJs who can't find other work. Yeah, I heard, I happened upon a stock car race. They're coming out of the first curve and going into the, and it just—it was really—it was somebody who used to used to play the stacks of wax and all that stuff No, it was just it was a perfect it was it was the extreme AM DJ that i've heard steve imitate
4: yes
2: uh, well just tonight i said to our producer you know what we used to call those people this was during a a break and I, there was something that prompted that and i said those are pukers yeah and he said what i said pukers as in you're puking up your because voice.
1: Because I always thought they had to talk like that.
2: Oh, yeah. it makes my skin <laughs> crawl. It's like when I and started I learned,
0: in... And I'll be honest, I haven't mm. done that voice in ages. I mean, I usually am doing politicians, cartoon characters, or uh,
2: <laughs> That's good. When I was started in radio in 77, I was told, don't stop smoking. You, yeah. need, you need to keep smoking because it will give you that sexy, phlegmy voice. Now, every girl wants to grow up to have a phlegmy voice. Yeah. yeah right?
0: Well, and he, here's the funny thing about me. Right now, I, I force my voice up
4: mm-hmm.
0: because... When I speak in my normal range, <laughs> I, my voice does not carry across the room. It's just too deep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh and dang, so I, my I voice! The light baritone.
0: No, I force the light baritone so I have, I can carry a distance.
2: Interesting.
1: When Johnny and I worked at WIND, this would have been back in the early eighties. They actually had a switch on the microphone. Yes, that could make your voice sound a little higher or a little lower.
2: Go ahead and tell oh who, the, who who that was put there for.
1: Yeah, that that switch.
2: <laughs> that switch was put there,
1: I, and this is true. Mm-hmm. It was put there for Ed Schwartz,
2: so that his voice. Oh wow! They would push the button for male, so that it would bring his voice down a little yeah. bit. Because when he get he would get excited, as you probably know, Pete, his voice would mm-hmm. go up a few octaves and could become oh, yeah. shrill.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was wild listening to him um, sometimes because I've I've had this I pick up voices almost like a sponge picks up water. Really? Uh, Oh yeah. When I was ten years old, uh, my folks would let me stay up on Friday nights to see the uh, Carson's Tonight Show, Uh and for the first time, I heard Ed McMahon do uh, W.C. Fields. And I turned to the folks and said, I yes, yes indeed."
2: <laughs> you were ten. Yes. Oh my gosh!
0: Now, now, did I you can do about a hundred different characters? Wow! I mean, did, everything did, from uh, "Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat." Not again. Nothing up my sleeve, Presto. Oh, <laughs> no, I think I've got to use the other hand. But
1: sometimes, did <laughs> did you find in doing voices? Did you find that sometimes it was easier, as you said you watched Ed McMahon do WC Fields? Did you find that it was easier to watch someone doing an imitation than take their imitation and actually get closer to the original sound of
0: the voice? It was easier sometimes to learn a voice from somebody imitating it. Mm -hmm. That was, like, Charlie Callis taught me something when he was on the Carson show. And again, Johnny had this repertoire, this incredible corral of voice actors that mm-hmm. he called upon and such. But when Charlie Callis was talking to Johnny, he said that the way he would get into Boris Karloff was, but initially was by st- saying the word antipostale.
1: Oh, I can see that. Oh. Yeah.
0: And so doing doing Boris became very easy for me. There especially are especially when I especially if I sit down with the the book How the Grinch Stole Christmas because I can do the entire <laughs> the entire thing all three voices.
2: Oh my gosh,
0: Boris, Boris, uh, Cindy Lou Who, who was done by Mary, and I can't think of her last name. She also did Rocky and Sherman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, and of course the singer. Thorn Ravenscroft.
1: Hmm. Oh, I haven't heard that you name know. in
0: years. Wow. Well, we we all know everybody who was going who? Huh? Well, we all know him from telling about frosted flakes being great. But he's the one who gave us you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch mm-hmm. and on and on.
2: Wow. I, that,
0: I can't really do the whole song without having a copy of the lyrics in front of me because I always get the verses mixed up. <laughs>
1: so there, there, are so many, to, there are so many There's so many interesting vocal tricks, but one of the, the craziest ones that I ever heard, and, and this involved a singer, Elvis, doing the song Thank "Surrender." You so much. Mm-hmm. He was doing the song Surrender, and one of the guys in the Jordanaires gave Elvis a tip because they he had to take that song and do it in parts because the, the, the vocal uh, performance was so demanding. And on the very end of the song where he goes real high, my love won't wait, and he couldn't get that. And the guy from the Jordanaires, I think his name was Ray, oh, I forget his last name. Anyhow, he, he took Elvis aside and he said, when you're doing that, he said, "Inhale, and then pretend that you're going to throw up." Oh! And literally, that's if you listen to how Elvis phrases, my love He's just
2: throwing it up.
1: That that's wow. how he finally got that, and it worked. Wow! Oh
0: yeah, it's uh, going going high high range. Uh, it's difficult, especially when you're a bass like I am by nature, but. Still, you know, I drop. I could drop right into Rocky or...
7: Yes, Mr. Peabody. <laughs> I mean,
0: you know, but... Uh, you okay. Know, well, with, it, with, it. with
1: your expertise in radio, obviously you know that we're going to run out of time. But so before we do that, we're, we're going to put you on hold and get all of your personal
2: information. Including your phone number, because <laughs> we're going to get back in touch with you. Because you're going to get your very own WGN retro t-shirt and your American Weathermakers desktop weather station thank you so much and thanks we want to say thanks to everybody here including julian on the other side of the glass and ron and gabe in the newsroom and bob and And, brett and
1: gabe you you get to blame pete for for being late with the news (laughs) but (laughs) and theoretically we'll be back here next week thank you guys so much for hanging out with us